right, everybody. Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. We are back, and welcome to the Christmas episode. We hope you guys will enjoy what we have in place for you here. Will and I, or who are here, are joined by the wonderful, the glamorous, and the almighty uh, <laughs> Davey Alcock. Uh, Davey, how you doing, buddy? I'm all right. Seasons, greetings, yet again. Yeah. Uh, it's becoming a, an annual an annual thing. And that'd be good. That'd be good. I, I, I would take that. That is a beautiful Christmas tradition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we will yes, take that. I'm all in. Uh, yeah. Oh, good. Good. Then uh, sign you up. You're you're in. There you go. It's official. It's on the air. Well, the, Excellent. <laughs> the cool thing for people, well, maybe cool, maybe lurid, um, is people don't know all three of us have a pact, a blood pact. We're all recording <laughs> nothing but Christmas sweaters. I wonder where... <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do interesting right yes yeah yeah that, that is true that is I, true i can confirm that yeah. and i'm sitting in a leather chair so you can imagine what kind of recording that's going to be <laughs> <laughs> a little uh a little slick by the end of the uh, first review here gonna be a little, right. a little slick down a little slick downtown bro um but no it's great to have you back as always um uh, you know you're a uh a very important part of uh, our extended family, and uh, we love having you on. And uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know if there's anything you want to talk about here in the intro or anything you want to discuss. I mean, obviously, we'll do the regular stuff, but I don't know if there's anything mm-hmm. else you want to talk about or not. If you just want to keep it keep it casual, that's fine. We can keep it casual. Uh, I guess the only thing would be to say um, how nice it was to see William, unfortunately not yourself, in London, uh, especially special cameo appearance um and it was great to get uh will and all the other gents and our various families and partners together yeah. and finally meet in the flesh yeah. uh that was a, a special special thing there's always oh, yeah there's always that mo- and i don't i don't think i shared this with will yet either so i'll share this on the air and i'm sure you feel this way at the same time at the same time will whenever you see photos whenever i'm somewhere there's these moments there's this like this slight sting of jealousy it's not a bad not 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 a not a bad jealousy i want to make sure i clarify that you just want to be there you want to be there this is a a people that we've all become very tight with yeah and to have one link missing in the gold chain yeah 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 and then there's and then there's the other side of the coin which is almost this emotional release of i'm so happy for everybody to finally see each other and be in each other's presence because We've been doing this for a long time, and it's one of the most odd things. I, I got to tell you guys, it's one of the strangest and yet wonderful feelings in the world that you can meet somebody you've talked to for years, and it's like you've it's like you've known them your mm-hmm. whole life. It's like you're yes, boom, you see each other. You know, there's just this immediate attraction. Like you, I mean, you know each other anyway, but there's just this immediate sensation of energy. Yeah, it, energy. It, yeah. It's and it's been going on since the whorehound days, right? And it's it's uh it, it's just great to to see folks and uh, to be around folks. It's it's it never gets old and it never will. So, um, if you ever think you want to see Will and I, you probably will at some point if you if you enjoy listening to the show this that much. At some point, we might end up in your town <laughs> <laughs> on tour. Yes, the world tour. <laughs> yes. No, it's uh, yeah, it's the best. It's the best when we can get one of those get-togethers. Um, 
that night in London was, uh, yeah, Sammy obviously would have been the, the crown jewel in that one. Um, but it was just, it was one of the, the best nights of my life from a sort of friend, sort of good for the soul perspective. It's yeah. all these years of pent up, like, <laughs> joy that you just get to release. And there was like a lot of like bro hugs and yeah. like yeah. sort of hand on the leg, like, this is so great. We're here. You know, it's yeah. Sammy notes, man. He's, he's, he's been there. It's uh, yeah, I've been through it. I, I know I haven't been to the, the European side yet, but I, pl- I plan on doing that at some point. So that'd yes. be great. That'd be great. And again, and again, that's all testament to you guys, to this community that you've created. I know you talk about it often and the listeners do, but that's all down to you. So yeah. this is your magnificent creation. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really interesting. Like anytime I go anywhere, like for work or for, um, uh, just for pleasure, whatever, or for, you know, uh, a secret mission with the, uh, you know, <laughs> the powers to be with the uh, Illuminati when I need to find like a, uh, a golden idol or something that was, you know, hidden in a cave somewhere, you know, stuff that, when, when I miss weeks, guys, I mean, it's not like I'm taking time off, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm actually out on adventures, but um, whenever I go somewhere, I always kind of look through my friend group and say, well, who lives here? <laughs> And it sounds almost, it sounds almost like I'm stalking them, but I'm not, but because, but you know, I've had these interactions with these people for 15 years, you know, I want, I want to see these people. So it'll be great when I finally get over to that side, because there's a lot of folks over there that I've had uh, long-term relationships with and uh, looking forward to the uh, physical interaction. This all sounds so, uh, you know, this whole conversation this morning, it sounds so uh, oddly seductive. Nothing odd about seduction. You're you're spicy this morning. Yeah, yeah. It's like I pulled up in a convertible Mustang and asked the proverbial question, which we'll get to later with the. (laughs) And you have your glasses on. Yeah. (laughs) And Will look. Will puts his arm around me and says, "What a town, huh?" Yeah. (laughs) And I'll be like, "Yeah, what a town, baby." All right. Uh, so, okay. So Davey came on. He uh, picked a Christmas film or Christmas themed film, and uh, we are doing. Heat from 1986, starring one Burt Reynolds and directed by Dick Richards, who's actually been on the show before. I thought when I saw his name, yeah, when I saw his name pop up, I'm like, I don't remember him uh, coming on. I think it's R.M. Richards on the credits, but this one, yeah, yeah. But Dick Richards is the uh, director, and we'll bring up what he what we did cover that he's done before. One of the directors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the directors. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we'll get into that. There's uh, some interesting things to talk about with some late cycle Burt Reynolds stuff. And um, so that's what we'll be doing. Uh, I'll, I, I might have to put in the show title. I might have to put Heat 1986 because if you type Heat in IMDb, yeah, this one's kind of gotten buried. Buried. Yeah. Buried. And, uh, you know, for like, for, for many reasons probably, but uh, easily if I just put uh, GGTMC 661 out, and it says heat. I, I guarantee you. Well, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just <laughs> people will jump on and be like, "It's Michael Mann. They're finally doing the Michael Mann film." <laughs> but, we'll do a little uh, switcheroo on them, like uh, yeah. Bert does at the yeah. beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah there That's we go. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. That's kind of you know he's kind of giving away what I do on the side when I'm not here. That's that's kind of what I do. You know. Oh, I see. I help the folks out there. Help the folks out there. Guys with hair problems. Guys with uh, you know any other issue. I help them out. So uh, I'm a, I'm a devilishly charming, uh, helper. Man of- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I only got one jacket 
and I, <laughs> I carry it around everywhere I go. Anyway, um, we'll get to that in a little bit. All right, uh, let's get into what we've. Uh, well, no, let's, yeah, let's get into what we've been watching. I'll I'll do the this or that from John here in just a little bit, but let's get into what we've been watching, Davey. We obviously deferred to, to the guest. What have okay. you been watching lately? Um, freshest in my mind is torso which i watched last night with uh, my girlfriend um yes which i had seen before but it's been a while and i've been on a bit of an italian giallo kick recently and uh being in a a newish relationship trying to introduce my (laughs) partner to lots of things and i figured and we've watched she's watched uh deep red uh, a few others but you know torso I can see why it is considered a definitive Jello. It's the perfect combination of all the elements you want, and uh, I, I love it. Uh, she really enjoyed it. Um, it. It really is a quintessential Jello, and yeah. probably a, a proto slasher as well. It's yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's impeccable. I think uh, Will Will and I back when we reviewed it. I think uh, Will was he'd always liked it, but I think he uh, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, Will, but I think you've uh, you grew to love it after we reviewed it again the second time, right? Yeah, I'd say, for uh, my money, it's, it's probably like top five Jolly. It's, oh, it's yeah. so, mm-hmm. yeah. like you said, Davey, it just, it ticks all the boxes. It does. Wonderfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I'd say, for me, it's top two, really. I mean, I, Oh, like, wow. I do. Yeah. yeah, top two, baby. I mean, well, you just <laughs> mentioned it. I mean, I love Deep Red and I love Torso. I love those two. I think they're just mm-hmm. about as perfect uh for that genre as any and there's there's a lot of great ones don't get me wrong but man yeah. those two for whatever reason they just work they do and and within that realm uh i watched a fulci that i'd not seen before um the uh the infamous cat in the brain um <laughs> oh yeah yes, this is a good one yeah which is a blind spot uh fulci's eight and a half um <laughs> yeah. yes that's what <laughs> you took the words and, out of my mouth that's what i was getting ready yeah. to say and um, I don't know, on on paper and reading about it and hearing about it and seeing clips, uh, I was like, oh, my God, this is bonkers. This has to be amazing. But I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Um, I, I did not enjoy it. It's it's weird. Uh-huh. It's unique. It's disgusting. <laughs> but I, I found it quite boring. There's something yeah. very pedestrian and mundane about the whole thing. Um it's 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 like it's almost shot like a sitcom uh it's very perfunctory and sort of but that adds to the grimness of it, it, uh-huh, it uh-huh. i don't know i i didn't feel good after watching it i, I didn't it, it wasn't the bonkers ride that i wanted i got instead i got this really grim kind of boring it left a nasty taste in my mouth yeah makes you wonder what fulci thought of himself a little bit doesn't it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting move at that stage in his career to to do that um, and to star in a movie as himself. It's very meta. Again, on paper, it sounds amazing, but didn't come together for me. Yeah, you really got to, you know, uh, going back and thinking about that, really only him and Argento kind of survived the 80s in a lot of ways as mm. for fans. Mm of uh italian films uh, most of the other directors even sergio martino who directed torso yeah i mean they just kind of disappeared and i mean they made films will and i love and, and other folks love but nobody ever talked about those guys those guys uh all the uh, fernando baldi sergio martino 
uh, all those guys, they kind of disappeared. And uh, yeah, but uh, Argento and Fulci, for whatever reason, probably the horror elements. VHS, yeah, boom, right. Those yeah. guys were mm-hmm. stretched. But it's funny. I wonder with Cat. I don't love Cat. I can't remember if we even did Cat. Did we, did we review it on the show? We did Rass? review. Yes, we did review Cat. And I, I can't remember what we thought of it, but I do like remember it. being. Yeah, I remember liking it, but I remember us being like, "This is odd." It, <laughs> and then I think the thing is, and I wonder how much this plays in. This is just speculation. It could be completely off the mark, but I believe Fulci had battled some health issues at this mm-hmm. point. So I wonder how much that factored in. He was trying to get something out like a legacy piece. And I'm not right. defending the film. The film is the film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kurosawa worked mostly blind and, and made his first color film and it was brilliant, but you know, it's, it, it is what it is, but uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. The late 70s to the 80s, he's really suffering uh, through diabetes really bad. He's diabetic real bad. Right. Oh, right. Okay. This so, is 1990, so he's yeah, yeah, he's really toward the end of his life at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Sure. Um, apart from that, uh, I watched on the recommendation of a friend of mine. Uh, another blind spot for me was Magic, the Attenborough, the Hopkins Attenborough film, which I believe you've you've covered on your show. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, everyone you've talked about so far, we have covered at some point. <laughs> you have, um, which I thought was fantastic. Um, I, I knew, you know, it had a, a great reputation. Uh, amazing director, great lead actors, and Margaret as well. Uh, Burgess Meredith is fantastic in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and it's for for what could be a very silly, what is a silly premise. Uh-huh. Yes, it's handled really, really well. And for the, I know the the third act becomes you know almost a chamber piece. It's uh, powerhouse performances from Hopkins and Anne Margaret in this one location. And yeah, the performances are phenomenal. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's one that uh, Will picked. I remember, and I remember thinking, I, you know, I'd, I'd seen it once before, and I remember I didn't really care for it. But after we reviewed it, I liked it a lot more. It's now become mm-hmm. one. It's probably for me. I guess it's probably the ventriloquist dummy film. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the small genre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the final one, which was. When I was uh, arranged to come on the show, it was a toss-up between two movies, and they had to have some element of Christmas in them. Yes, uh, they, don't, they didn't have to be a Christmas film, but it had to include some element of Christmas. So it was either Heat or Soul Survivor from '84, which I had never seen and heard a lot about. Uh, and I decided to go with Heat because, as much as I, I enjoyed Soul Survivor, it's it's a decent film with with really good atmosphere. Obviously, it's uh, you know a precursor to Final Destination, and it follows, but it had a real sort of Messiah of Evil kind of atmosphere to it. But it's a bit of a snoozer for me. It really for you and a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I enjoyed it. I I didn't think it could make the the most entertaining discussion, shall I'm, we say? Which uh, which Soul Survivor is that? I'm 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 wondering if I've even seen it. The airplane. You've seen it. The airplane crash. Tom Eberhardt, who did Night of the Comet, directed it. It's his oh. first movie. I think. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. No, I, yeah, you know, actually, I have not, I have not seen it. No, I've never seen that. It's interesting. Yeah, but that's so, one. Yeah, I've, uh, that's I've, one. And that I, I went with Heat instead. Yeah, so. that one has eluded me. I, I know of it now. You said the airplane crash. I know of it now, but uh, I did not. I have never seen it. Huh? Maybe I'll put that All on right. my list to. I mean, you didn't give it a you know a glowing recommendation, but you know, that's okay. I can I can uh, still check it out, huh? All right, check it out. It's okay. decent, but I think 
you know, to Davey's point, and I think he'd said this to me, it's a decent film, mm. but it doesn't lend itself to really fun conversation. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, so, there, there is that, right? right? <laughs> yes. Problem when you're having conversations. Yeah, you know, you know, we're pretty good at this at this point. I think we could we could probably make it uh, fun. We'd find a way because there's there has been those, uh, you know, kind of peek behind the curtain here a little bit. We've talked about it probably in the past, too. There has been films we've covered on the show where we've reached out to each other and been like, I really have no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> uh, you know, this movie's it's either too good to joke about or it's too bad to joke about or it's this or that. You know, you got, you got to find an angle. To keep it interesting, uh, luckily we we always seem to find a way. That's what we're good at. <laughs> sure, and I think also another peek behind the curtain. I was probably because I was texting back and forth with Will. I was probably sounding him out as well. And uh, ah, I think ah, I, see. I might I might have listened to a podcast. Maybe it was when you talked about Night of the Comment uh, Comment Comet, and Will made some comments about this, and I was like, oh. So I did a bit of snooping and thought, okay, maybe this is not a good idea. Then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. Yeah. What's awesome about that is that you remember those 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 episodes, yeah. and I don't know if Will and I remember even having that conversation. Well, there you go. <laughs> but there's always, you know, if, when I'm coming on the show and I'm picking a film, there's always that anxiety, like, oh, oh my yeah, god, yeah, yeah. what if they hate it? Oh no, it's going to be a nightmare. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I always tell people who ask me, you know, what should I pick? And I'm like, man, just pick whatever you want. And they're like, oh, that's a lot of pressure, man. What if I pick a, a real stinker? I'm like, hey, mm. hey, stinkers can be fun to talk about. Sure. And, uh, you know, you never know. You never know. Um, what you'll get from Will and I, as, as anybody that's listened over the last 15 years, is you'll get an honest opinion. And uh, we, we, we tend to, I think Will would agree with this, we tend to find the merits in everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we tend to also, you know, not hold back when the merits are ugly. <laughs> it does take a special kind of film for us to take the gloves off, though. That's very rare. There's maybe been a handful in 15 years, I feel like, oh, where man. I'm like, you know what? No, fuck this. I <laughs> so just, yeah. Right? But, yeah, like you guys were saying, and I think Sammy first coined this, you know, anytime you recommend a movie to someone, um, it's like a cinematic valentine. And you hope that, you know, it doesn't get stomped on by... The recipients yeah yeah so. there's a little bit of that there's always a little bit of that yeah i mean i've been on other podcasts and i've been asked to pick stuff and it's uh it's i i know what davy's talking about it's a totally weird feeling and you're really you it's almost like you feel like you're exposing yourself in some weird way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah is that all davy that all, that all you get all right. that's that'll do yeah. that'll do okay good deal that'll do. will what do you got buddy i know you've been watching some stuff because I, you know, I see you on the social medias, so I'm always. But of course, by the time we get to recording time, I've totally forgotten everything you've watched. So yeah, yeah, I haven't watched as much as um, as much as you would think. It's actually been kind of spare. It just seems like, you know. So my wife and I have been at the gym together like five thirty in the morning, and that I'm feeling real old by the time nine nine thirty. By the time I actually sit on the couch, both of us. You know, it's like 20 minutes in, game over, right? It's uh, it's tough. But I've watched a few things here. So um, I don't think there's going to be anything I'm going to talk about that's going to sort of set anyone's world on fire here. It's it, We try this time of year to watch Christmas stuff, or at least Christmas adjacent. Um, 
rewatched Arthur Christmas, which is a pretty charming little film. I think it's one I would have avoided um, based on sort of just looking at it. But it, I think it's a really sweet film. It kind of um, plays with the mythology um, differently than a lot of other films approach. So it's a fun animated film. Um, one that I'd say like, I think every family, and there's a lot of crossover, certainly, because the Christmas film is uh, as much of a bloated monster as it is from the Hallmark angle. Um, it, there's a lot of films that are just obvious kind of classics, whether it's Christmas Story or Black Christmas, uh, National Lampoon, etc. But there's a few that have just become absolute staples in our house. And uh, every time I watch it, every year I see the same thing on the show that I'm always charmed by the love and care that goes into it. And that's Krampus. Um, oh. the boys, it's always the first film they want to watch holiday season. Krampus. Oh man. <laughs> it's, uh, it's great. It just, it's made with so much love and it just, you know, between this and trick or treat, I'm sure I've said this before. I probably said it at Halloween when I watched trick or treat. Um, you know, I just, it's a shame that, you know, we don't get more work out of them, right. As a director. So, but yeah, this is a good one. It's fun. Everyone's game. I think watching it this year made me think that if I was going to proclaim a favorite actress currently, it would probably be Toni Collette. I just, every time, I can't help when I see her on screen to go, I always say to my wife, oh man, I love Toni Collette. She's so good. She's just so good in everything. So. Yeah. 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 She's never, I, I, I don't know, even in bad films, if she's bad. Uh, she's always good in everything. She's one of those. Yeah, she is. Dave, are you a Toni Collette fan? I am, uh, and I'm, I'm just looking through her her filmography, and you're right. She's very varied, uh, all, all films, all genres, and she's rarely puts in a bad performance. No, I can't. No, yeah, and she's she doesn't. Summer knows the genre stuff, which I love. No, no, she, she's 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 done all kinds of projects of uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, and yeah, I, she's she's pretty good. This yeah. is my opportunity to mention one that a lot of people didn't see that I swear is one of the best performances she's ever done, and that's a Japanese story. If you guys okay. have never seen the film she made yeah, called Japanese, story. yeah, I believe it's called Japanese Story. I believe. Yeah, uh, I'm looking through her filmography. To, yeah, Japanese Story, 2003. She is nice. amazing in that film. I love that film. A lot of people don't even uh, know of it, so check it out. Will do. Interesting. I'll check it out for sure. Um, just a couple more quick ones. I somehow had never seen The Santa Claus with uh, okay. Tim Allen. All right. I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I was missing anything huge, but I was home. It was a Saturday. I felt sentimental and you know, warm inside and... There it was in front of me, and I'll be honest, I've ne for some reason I've never been a Tim Allen fan. Yeah, I I, I never watched Home Improvement. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't my thing. Threw this on. Um, it's charming enough, I guess. I know some people really love this series. It spawned a few sequels, but it's got a TV show now. It's got a Disney streaming show, I believe. Well, there you so I mean I like the father son angle I'll always, I'll always be a sucker for that and it's it's fine you know for what it is but uh, I don't see it becoming entrenched in our sort of must sees yeah yeah um, yeah some folks that is a uh, that is a traditional film yeah so the last one I'll talk about this week speaking of ones that will not be coming 
uh, favorites this uh, around the holiday season. <laughs> and I was feeling real charitable, I guess, when I put this on. I must have been in a really good mood because uh, I, I don't know what I was thinking. So I saw this pop up. It's the mean one. Are you guys aware? <laughs> oh, uh, no. I know what it is. But so you, so uh, by Davy's laugh, he must know what it is. And Yeah, is it's the the... I don't know if it's the same guy. It's the Grinch. It's the horror Grinch yeah. version, like the guys did the Winnie the Pooh horror movie thing. Yeah. Yeah. One. Yeah. So, mm. this one. Um, <laughs> I, it was like, I was awake. It was Saturday afternoon. I had some free time. No, not totally free time because I was in the kitchen doing some dishes. I'm like, let me put something on in the background. And instead of putting on like a documentary or just some, you know, PM Entertainment film. Let me let me shift into the holiday season here. Um, so what put it over the top for me was uh, David Howard Thornton as the Grinch. Of course, he's a terrifier, right? So, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So he's the. Uh, oh, he's Art the Clown. Okay, yeah, he's, he's Art, Art the, clown. the Clown. Yeah, he's Art the Clown. Uh. To me, I was like, you know what? Um, I'm game because I really love him as Art. I think he's really good in that in those films. Um, so he threw it on. So, you know, this isn't great. This isn't great. Uh, can I say, what can I say? <laughs> that's, that size says it all. You don't need yeah. to say anything else. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's funny. This led me down a rabbit hole with William. Because William and I were watching it. And, you know, you think about conversations that are not on your bingo card. I happened to mention to William, about the whole trend of triple X parodies. Oh yeah, there you go. William, did you know there was a film Edward penis, penis hands <laughs> and he couldn't believe his eyes. I showed him the, like the box art from the film. Uh, it was on my phone, not on my shelf. Uh, and then I proceeded to tell him the Avengers had a, a parody movie and yeah. So anyway, the mean one, there it is. Uh, that's a one and done for me, man. <laughs> Yeah, I like the way the makeup and mask looks, and you know, yeah, I didn't hate it. I really didn't hate it. It it's okay, like four, four and a half territory. Get maybe maybe a five, but I don't know, man. I I, I feel like at this point in my life, I'm 44. I haven't seen a lot of films that at this point I really want to see in my life. So I don't know if I want to give 90 minutes the mean one again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking at the trailer as you speak, and the trailer, uh, it's, well, I mean, it's not half bad, but, you know. It's okay. I mean, I'm damning it with such faint praise here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess there's a, a a wave of this stuff happening. I know that uh, Blood and Honey thing. I know that's getting a sequel, mm. that Winnie the Pooh thing. I, mm. I, oh, I, oh, come yeah. on. Yeah. Well, I mean, they make them so cheap, you know. I mean, you know. I might have liked this more than Blood and Honey. Well, I've not seen. I've not seen. I've not seen either. I'm glad you're falling on that sword and not me. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest, I felt more offended by the fact that they did it with Winnie the Pooh than the Grinch. I don't know what that says, but uh, well, I, I mean, the Grinch is a mean character by yeah, nature. Maybe a little more organic, right? Yeah, maybe Winnie the Pooh is. I don't know if Winnie the Pooh has a bad bone in his poo body. He doesn't. <laughs> so that's yeah, kind I'm of a afraid. weird, weird take. It is a weird take. The Grinch has a little. He's a mean one, mm. <laughs> yes. or at least he was. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Three, yeah, yeah. three sizes. I'd be curious, uh, and and you can tell me off the air. I'd be curious if there's a uh, a character arc there. 
I'm, I'm assuming there probably isn't. But anyway. So, yeah, we can talk about that one later. Yeah, sure. yeah. I don't want to ruin it for anybody that just has a dying need to see the mean one. There's, there's, and trust me, and there's somebody out there, I promise you. Uh, okay, is that everything, Will? Yes, sir. All right. I only watched a couple things, both documentaries. I've had a crazy week, a uh, crazy couple weeks, actually, uh, trying to get everything situated uh, in my personal life. So it's just been one of those uh, back-to-back weeks of just absolute chaos. But I did watch a couple, one of them a real gem, the other one a pretty good film, uh, both of them on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'll start with the first one, the real gem of the bunch. Uh, this is Bye Bye Barry. Now, this is uh, a documentary about Barry Sanders, the ever quiet, ever um, camera avoiding and uh, interview avoiding uh, sports star who uh, I think pound for pound. For me, and I don't know where Will's going to stand on this because he's the probably the bigger football guy than I am, but I think he might be or was, for me, maybe the he's at least in the conversation of the best football players of all time. He's the best back I've ever seen. I've never seen anyone like him. Oh yeah, no, even though even though Walter Payton has the record and everything else, Barry Sanders is easily the greatest running back that's ever played football. I don't even think you have to appreciate to, to talk about how incredible he was. Not to to sidebar yank this from you but you could maybe not even like football and if you just watched a minute of his highlights you'd kind of go holy cow yeah 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 just the way he moves i mean he was just <laughs> yeah there's there's there was i mean there was guys like him before that we looked at right um jim brown oj simpson dickerson yeah uh, dickerson um uh walter payton obviously yeah but there's been i'll say this there's been nobody since barry sanders not to, me. Like, uh, not to me, there's not been anybody. Poetry in motion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would argue that he probably is for me, even though I'm not a Lions fan, obviously, and everything, but I think he's the greatest American football player probably to ever play. And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say that because there's so many things he could have done that he just walked away from. And that's the most interesting thing about Barry Sanders. The most interesting thing about Barry Sanders is he loved the game. He obviously loved the success. But he never loved the spotlight. No. And uh, he walked away over and over and over again from rushing titles. He'd take himself out of games. And I thought at the time, I thought, oh, he's just kind of, you know, doing what he wants to do. But if you watch this documentary, you find out he did that when he was in high school. Like even in high school, he'd be like, I could get the title. I could get the rushing record in the state of Oklahoma, but I don't care. Very low key, very humble. Yeah. For him, it was all about playing the game, pleasing his dad. They had a very contentious relationship. That That's part of the other interesting thing about this. His dad really pushed him. His dad said there was Barry was the third greatest running back of all time behind Jim Brown and himself. That's the kind of dad his dad was. So, Oh, man. <laughs> so, you know, but he loved his dad, even though, I mean, it was a very contentious relationship, but it was a, it was a loving relationship. And uh, in a weird way, and just in you know in a weird American sports way, and uh, it's a really good documentary, kind of a look inside uh, Barry Sanders, who honestly I knew very little about because he just uh, again he's not really a public figure. He uh, he's a famous sports star, but he he just never really did a lot of interviews. He uh, has never really kind of sat down and talked about himself. You can tell even in this documentary, he's laughing a lot. He's still not comfortable uh, talking about himself. Um, and stuff, and it's it's very interesting to me, and uh, yeah, it, it's a really good one. Uh, made me quite. Uh, there's moments where it made me emotional, actually. So, 
definitely check it out if you're a, an American football fan. Uh, uh, you know, we have an Englishman on the show, so I have to say American football to clarify. But if you are an American yes. football fan uh, and you you like the sport, you probably will like this documentary a lot. If you do not like American football and you maybe just like Barry Sanders, you might like it a lot. But if if you don't like either one of those, then you probably should avoid because it's not going to give you a whole lot. But I do agree with yep. Will though. Uh, if you see the highlights in this film, you're going to think to yourself, Jesus, is that the way everybody plays football? No, nobody, nobody ran the ball like Barry Sanders. Nobody. So would you say, Sammy, I think you kind of just answered my question was, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I almost watched it with my boys this weekend, in fact, if we had had more time. So you would say this one as a documentary would cater more to people that, that have a familiarity or interest in football as opposed to being a human interest piece. Um. I think the uh, the football just kind of it's kind of like cream topping or whip topping or something on, on I think that you know obviously I watched it for the human interaction piece but the football was just the sweet stuff on top um I think you can't go wrong either way I think your boys will like it either way uh I think William will like it certainly yeah and uh I think you'll like it quite a bit I know you're not a Lions fan for obvious reasons but obvious reasons yes but um <laughs> I know, though, also, you know, you you know a great football player when you see one. And, again, arguably, you watched him for many years. I did, too. The greatest. I mean, I mean I, I'm just going to keep saying it. Arguably the greatest football player to maybe ever play the game. Certainly oh, yeah. in the conversation. Easily. Yeah. Easily. I mean, it's it's amazing. I, I mean, he could have ran for he could have ran for 20,000 yards in his career if he had stuck around. He could have, if he had had anything around him, he would have just smashed every record. But can we talk about for a sec how you, you mentioned football, right? And I've like soccer, aka, but you know, we have a, a European gent on the show, so it's football over there. Can we talk about how American football should be called egg hand? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. You know, it should be hand. <laughs> yeah. Would be amazing if it was actually called egg hand, though, wouldn't it? Would be. Man, guys, I gotta go. Oh, I, def- I definitely watch it then. Yeah, I gotta go to the bar. Like, well, there's the next egg hand games coming on. I, I'd love that. God, I'd love that. Uh, but you know, yeah, I've heard that before. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. You know, of course, you know, I. Uh, sometimes I hear people say, you know, I'm gonna go watch the pigskin or whatever and stuff like that. And I, I'm not sure. Is is a football even made of pigskin? I'm pretty sure it's made of cow leather. More. Yeah. And many years have passed since yeah. pigskin was used. Pigskin seems risky. I don't know. Uh, something about pigskin seems off to me, but uh, uh, maybe it's too many times I've watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. Anyway. Uh, okay, but yeah, check that one out, especially if you're a sports fan. Will, definitely a recommend for you, no doubt about it. I was watching it almost the whole time I was watching it. I was thinking of you, so that one's that one's kind of catered right to you. And I watched another one from 2017. And you know the thing about documentaries is you'll hear about them I read about them in the festival circuit and whatnot, right? And I'm always kind of write them down because the thing about documentaries is they disappear. They'll hit the festival circuit and then a small company might pick them up or something. And then they just disappear for three or four or five years sometimes. And then luckily with uh, streaming services, they pop back up and, you know, I hear about these things all the time and then they go away and, Again, in the States, they don't show a lot of documentaries. In small cities especially, they do not show documentaries really unless it's a major release from a major filmmaker. Um, 
So these things disappear. But I remember reading about this one. This one's called All the Queen's Horses. And this one's about a small, this one's a very, definitely a very select type of person is going to watch this one. <laughs> and I end up being that very select type person. But uh, as you do know, and most folks who listen to the show know, I am obsessed with people's decisions that are, people just make a decision in their life that's very complicated. And for whatever reason, uh, greed is one of the ones that I am fascinated by because I'm not a greedy person. So I, I don't understand greed. I've never understood it, and I still don't understand it. And so this one's about greed. It's about a small town uh, kind of clerk uh, who uh, working in this town that Robert uh, Robert Ronald Reagan was born in, a small town in Illinois, and uh, she's basically bilking the local government for money. And she's buying horses, and she's buying all these things, and everybody's just kind of looking the other way. No, everybody just thinks, well, she's got a a boyfriend that had money or something, yada yada yada. And she ended up bilking the state or the city for like 20-something million dollars before they actually caught on to her. And she's it's white-collar crime. She thinks she's, you know, just kind of helping herself, but it, she doesn't realize she's hurting everybody in the town. And it's just really kind of fascinating. The They don't really talk to her, but it's kind of fascinating to me how people can get caught up in that kind of stuff, how easy it is. You know, to, you know, and then, you know, once the, the tap is open, it's kind of hard to go back. You know what I mean? So, yeah, she had millions of dollars in, in uh, show horses. She had a house. She had four or five houses. And she was an accountant for a local government. She, I mean, it, it's easy to look at it and me say it. And you guys think, what? Nobody said anything? Well, that's what I'm saying. Nobody said anything. It was this small, innocent, almost it's a wonderful life type town in Illinois. And everybody's kind of like, eh, you know, she just she did really well for herself. Anyway, moving on, you know, it, it just it blows my mind. And this just happened not too long ago. It still happens all the time. So it's fascinating. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime as well. Not nearly as good as the Bye Bye Barry documentary, for the record. Uh, you you guys can, if you want to check it out, you can. I know again, documentaries are mostly my thing, but it's, it's okay. Um, a pretty decent one, I'd say, but not nearly as good as the Bye Bye Barry one. So that's all I got. There we go. We got through that okay. <laughs> documentaries because it's way too busy with things. Sammy, do you know, uh, what they use when, we, when you have the NFL or the egg hand <laughs> combine to do all the metrics for, you know, jumping in this, you know, you know what they use to do the 40 yard dash? I have no idea. Well, they use a stopwatch. <laughs> okay. You know stopwatch is the cousin to? What's the stopwatch the cousin to, Will? <laughs> Another timepiece. You know what that means. I think I do. It's time for this or that. <laughs> and here's where I clumsily kick the button. Here we go. All right. There we go. Clumsy as always, and awesome that we are so clumsy at this point. Uh, it's part of the charm, right? And uh, we got there somehow. Stopwatch timepieces. Somehow we made it. Uh, okay. Uh, before you start uh, giving us some this or that, Will, I got a couple from our good friend John. Yeah, uh, and I wanted to run those by you. He uh, uh, sends us some feedback as usual. Another excellent episode. I don't know which one he refers to. I'm assuming the last one we put out. 
I'm always I'm all, I'm always grateful for the fun films you guys expose us to. So I'm assuming, yeah, Pray of the Jaguar more than likely. Um, I have a few this or that's for you this week. Number one, here we go. Which is the better soundtrack, Rocky Four or Over the Top? <laughs> yeah, sneakily tough that one. That one's a low blow. Got it right under the fingernail. I think I know where I lean, but I'm curious what you guys think. Mm. I don't know, man. Meet me halfway is <laughs> that pulls, man. And winner takes it all the way. That's like, wait, what a montage scene. <laughs> well, not with that, but it's over the top is uh, it's Giorgio Moroder, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here I'll, I'll go ahead since you guys are contemplating and, uh, you know, working it out in your heads and the smoke's coming through the screen here. The I'm I'm going to lean over the top. And the reason why is because Marauder's unique. And also as, as fun as Rocky IV's soundtrack is, it's, it, it, it always, Stallone has these films, I think over the top out of all of his films, it, well, no, because Cobra has that, uh, that song at the end. That uh, song by what's uh I can't remember that artist now, but we played it on the show back when we recovered a long time ago. Uh, oh. The Beaver Brown Band or Beaver Town Band, whatever that uh, that guy that did the Eddie and the Cruisers stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, but Stallone had this thing for this uh, American rock and roll that's almost like these derivatives of Bruce Springsteen. Well, basically they're all derivatives of what his brother does, right? Mm. And he's on the Over the Top soundtrack, I think. Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would always find a way to get his brother some work. Uh, which is admirable, if you ask me. And uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean over the top though because I think I man that movie I've I've heard some people lately say it's kind of cheap. You know, I know it's cheesy, but that's what's great about over the it's top. Hearts in the right place. Yeah, Come on now. Yeah, I mean Rocky Four is pretty damn cheesy too. Um, but it's you know they're both yeah. fun. Um, but I, I got to go over the top. I think the montages and over the top are better than. The great montage that's in Rocky Four. That is one of the great training montages, I will say. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. This week we actually have a training montage in our film, in a way. Uh, we have a training scene, which we'll get yeah. to in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go over the top. You guys, let me know. Uh, you guys are still contemplating. You <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna join you. I'm gonna go over the top too. Purely, I mean, Rocky Four. Yeah, you've got the the Survivor songs. Um, you know, I the Tiger and Burning Heart. Uh, uh, James Brown living in America. Yeah, <laughs> but over the top, you've got Sammy Hagar, you've got Frankie Stallone, Kenny Loggins, uh, Robin Zander. I'm a big fan of Cheap Trick. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and, yeah. Jo- uh, and Giorgio Moroder. So uh, that edges it for me. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. There you go, gentlemen. It's not going to be a clean sweep. Ah. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I unashamedly keep no easy way out on my workout playlist. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to do what, man. living in North America. Maybe it might've been the song that you uh, had on. There. I, I this soundtrack and I was training for the Philly mutter years ago and it got me through some heavy sessions and no easy way out, man. I can put that on at night and you know, I'm driving in a pickup truck. I'm not in an Italian sports car or no, is he Porsche in that? I'm trying to remember if it's a Porsche or is it, it's a Porsche, right? I believe it's Porsche. Yes. I don't know. Anyway, my lights aren't flipping up like his, but I just, uh, No Easy Way Out is the one that takes it over the top for me. Nice, nice. Way to, way to bring it back to the other film. Yeah, nice man. touch. 
good good deal there. Nice. Smooth. Yeah, very smooth move there. Uh, his other one is, uh, this one's uh, different, but I see his angle here. Which filmmaker do you prefer more, Frank Capra or Giuseppe Tornatore? Now, uh, film buffs will probably know who Giuseppe Tornatore is, but maybe not the average layman. No offense to anybody. We'll know who he is, but if you want to know who he is, the best way to say is that he's, I believe he's the right director of uh, Cinema Paradiso. Yeah, um, it's very um, sentimental. Yeah, very much a sentimental filmmaker. Uh, I, that's why he's got Frank Capra and him in here. So, yeah. uh, so, and he says in the email here, I'm a big fan of both and see some similarities in their body of work. Yeah, you definitely, John, you definitely see similarities in their body of work. I would say maybe uh, Giuseppe Tornatore is maybe the Italian Frank Capra in some ways. <laughs> mm. Um. Definitely into the uh, uh, the uh, stuff. He also did that. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's the director of that uh, uh, Monica Neil Bellucci. Martin. Yeah, the Monica Bellucci film I like a lot. Uh, Melina from 2000. Oh, Melina. Yeah. Yep. One of the first films I saw her in where I was like, yowza. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, winner takes it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've actually never done any Giuseppe Tonatori on the film. We ought to do some because I mean, pound for pound, he's a he's an interesting filmmaker. Good filmmaker. I I was I almost picked Cinema Paradiso for my like um, birthday pick this year. I wanted the kids to see it, but this guy, this guy going all I tell you, this is what happens when you marry an Italian. He said Cinema Paradiso. Here I am saying Cinema Paradiso. <laughs> hey, that's okay. It's <laughs> that's potato potato, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's football egg hand. It's uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There you go. Yes, <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna go Capra. I'm gonna go Capra. You think plot twist? You think I'd go Giuseppe? But It's a Wonderful Life is my favorite holiday film, uh, and I don't need to be a holiday film. Um, and for that alone, they're both such beautiful films. But uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is really good. His work with Jimmy Stewart, Capra's work with Jimmy Stewart is pretty great. And oddly enough, they both made documentaries that were award winners. Um, but I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Capra, man. Okay, Dave, you got a choice? Mm. Uh, I, yes. Um, I want to say Capra. Actually, I'm going to see It's a Wonderful Life at the cinema later today. So uh, oh, nice. this is quite um, <laughs> apt. Um, I, I, I'm tempted to say just, which I also adore. Um, uh, it's probably one of my favorite Christmas movies and uh, my girlfriend, Kim, she's never seen it. So we're going to see it on the big screen, which I'm really looking forward to, which is going to be amazing. So almost for that. But when I look at uh, Tornatore's uh, resume, uh, Cinema, Paradiso, Milena. Uh, he did a fantastic documentary about Ennio Morricone. Really, really good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go Tornatore. Yeah. Nice, nice. So there's always, uh, I love that. There's always one of us that's a little different. I'm going to go Frank Capra as well, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I, I do like It's a Wonderful Life. I, I like it quite a bit. I've seen it too many times at this point to even really, like, if somebody asked us to review it on the show, I don't even know if I'd be comfortable uh, yeah. it'd be tough because I've seen it so many times, but Capra and this is not taking away from Tornatore because I, I really like his films a lot. I like him a lot as a filmmaker. I think he's actually one of the great filmmakers working right now that nobody really talks about, but Capra's, I mean, it happened one night, basically maybe one of the best screwball kind of romantic comedies ever made. 
That's yeah. Clark Gable. Uh, and uh, then you look at stuff like Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, Mr. Smith Goes Washington, mm-hmm. like Will mentioned. Uh, you Can't Take It With You, Lost Horizon, Arsenic and Old Lace, which is mm-hmm. another great film. I mean, he just had he had a run that was Im- Im- impressive. Now, toward the back end of his career, not as good as the front, but I will rep hard for a pocket full of miracles, which I like quite a bit, and uh, Riding High. Uh, Riding High is one from 1950 that a lot of people don't uh, talk about. The, it's a Bing Crosby film, so some folks might not like it that much, but I, I, I have a sweet spot for and a soft spot for that one. Um, it's about it's basically a horse racing kind of a goofy kind of horse racing thing. It's as it's as vanilla as you imagine, but you know sometimes that's what you want, right? That's that's what you want. So, and it's got Ward Bond in it, who I love. Uh, Ward Bond, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if I had to recommend, I'd, I'd recommend people check that one out because that was a lot of fun. But you can't go wrong. Pretty much, you can't go wrong with almost anything Giuseppe Tonatori's directed. I'm not kidding. And you bring up a good point. Um, and of course, um, as does Davey, I think he's he's one of those great filmmakers that people don't talk about because he's not kind of like cool or kind of edgy. No. You know, but he's just, he's a quality filmmaker. Oh man, so good. I, I don't know if you guys have seen his, uh, the film, uh, The Best Offer he did with Jeffrey Rush. No. No. Oh man, no. check that film out. That's really good. It's, uh, he's basically an art expert. And uh, I think he gets hired by this uh, reclusive kind of heiress, and and it's it's really really good. It's really good. I I highly recommend it. And Jeffrey Rush is so good in the film as he tends to be. Oh yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, Jim Sturgis is in there who had a moment there in front of the cameras, and and uh, I can't remember who else is in there. I feel like uh, oh Donald Sutherland. Oh yeah yeah. There you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah, he's in there. He just kind of pops up in anything and everything, doesn't he? Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, check that one out. But there's you really can't go wrong with most of Tornatory stuff. Um, seriously, he's that good. Um, that that's a tougher question to think. But well, thanks, John. We want to appreciate the uh, this done. or that's. Uh, Will, I'm sure you have a few. I do, but I want to defer to Davey in case he has any. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have one. <laughs> well, there we go. I have one. There we go. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first, Will. I'm gonna save it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, but, so. Uh, and Sammy, let me ask you: Did you have any you wanted to do first? You want me to roll? Uh, in? How about uh, I'll just throw one. This one's off the fly, off the cuff, if you hmm. so speak, off the off the off the foreskin, baby. This one, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one. How about Peter McNichol or Alfie Wise? Now you're thinking to yourself, who's Alfie Wise? Well, look at Burt's films in the '70s and '80s. And, oh. and look at Alfie, and you'll say to yourself, "That guy pops up in a lot of Bert films." <laughs> so, oh, he does. Yeah, he, yeah Bert must have really. I, I, he, we all know that he had friends that he worked with over and over again. He must have really loved having Alfie around because that guy pops up in a lot of Bert films. Yeah, yeah. he's in one, he's, two, three, four, five, seven of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's in this one, the one we're reviewing this week. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a brief yeah. moment, but it's one of those moments where you kind of smile because you're like, ah, there's Alfie Was. Yeah. Alfie's good. I don't know. I, I'm not to get ahead of myself, but Peter McNichol is not a guy that I tend to be like, yeah, I can't wait to see Peter McNichol <laughs> or I'm excited to see him in a film. Because as a kid, he just annoyed me so much in Ghostbusters 2 that it became mm-hmm. baked in. I had this weird disdain for him, but I got to say, I really love him in Heat. I mean, they, they overplay it a little bit, but I really like him in Heat. I'm going to go McNichol. Nice. 
nice. Not a bad choice. I, I totally agree with Will. Uh, I'm historically not a fan, but I thought he was excellent in Heat. Yeah, um, yeah. He's 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 perfect for the part. Great energy. Uh, I, I will get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll well, go McNichol. I'm going to go McNichol as well because he starred in his first film was Dragon Slayer, and I love Dragon yes. Slayer. Upset. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he started out really strong. And I, unlike you guys, I actually love his performance in Ghostbusters too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's he's fine. But it just as a kid, you can't make that distinction that it's a performance. You're just like, this guy yeah. sucks so yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is it is way over the top. But uh, for whatever reason, I love it. I love I love him in that film. But I like Peter McNichol, and you know, we'll talk about it when we talk about this film. We'll talk more about him. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll leave it at that. So I'm gonna. This is gonna be a big session. I'm just gonna be very forthright with you guys. This is our Christmas episode. Okay. So there's lots of uh, gifts under the tree. This is gonna be the Burt Reynolds slash Christmas dinner round. Okay. All right. So okay. I'm okay if we stretch our legs a little bit on the Burt ones, but let's do lightning round for the dinner stuff. Uh, okay. 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 So the oh, okay. So you food actual food related stuff. Here we go. Oh, yeah, right. we got some birds, and then we got uh, some food related ones, which we'll go lightning round on those. So I'll do the bird ones first because this is a bird Christmas episode. Uh, better bird jam, Smokey or the Longest Yard? Ooh, Smokey and the Bandit or the Longest Yard? Mm. Ooh, ooh. Mm. <laughs> As James Hetfield from Metallica would say, ooh. Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <Ooh>. yeah <laughs> uh he's wearing your leather wristbands right now that was very convincing uh, no <laughs> not on my wrist anyway <laughs> let's see here that cuff <laughs> yeah yeah uh not the flesh cuff this time it's the uh <laughs> blood pressure yeah flesh cuffs that's the name of my that's my nickname uh, outside of the podcast like, hey, you guys, you guys talk to old flesh cuffs over there? Uh, <laughs> oh, my blood pressure's going up right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got an answer, uh, and it's really just childhood nostalgia. I think The Longest Yard is probably pound for pound a better film. Um, but, man, Smokey and the Bandit is one of my favorite bird films of all time. And, honestly, it's probably one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, I've seen it so many times that I've never picked it for the show again, because I don't know that I could critically, uh, you know, give you an honest opinion on it. I know it's a bit of the redneck romance goofiness that he's known for toward the later end of his career or when he was number one in the, at the cinema, but, or the cinema, as you guys say, uh, <laughs> you fancy guys. And I like my, my, my flesh cuffs, my flesh chuffs, maybe chuffs. I don't know. Anyway. I'm chuffed for your flesh cuffs, man. Yeah. You're chuffed for my flesh cuffs. Yeah, that was not easy to say. Um, it's not I'm easy go, to wear. Yeah, I'm going to go Smoking the Bandit because I love everybody in that movie. I love Sally Field. I love Burt Reynolds. I love Jerry Reed. And I love Jackie Gleason. And I even love the actor Burt hung out with to play Jackie Gleason's son. And one of the driest, and the relationship between Jackie Gleason and his son is some of the funniest stuff um, I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. That movie makes me laugh. It makes me smile. It's cheesy and everything, but it's it's just, it's to me, it's it's Bert at the height of his power. Mm-hmm. And, Having fun. Yeah. Getting into trouble. Yeah. Just, just not a trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I love it. I love it. And of course, I love the car. It was, it's my favorite car of all time. It's always it always will be my favorite car. 
But that's that's it for me, Smokey and the Bandit. I'm going to join you on that one. I, I agree Longest Yard is probably a better movie, better made film, but for the same reasons, um, Hal Needham directing Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, the stunts, the humor, uh, Burt at the absolute peak, uh, doing the redneck romance, the rogue, the lovable rogue thing. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. yeah. So I'd go smoky. Yeah. Yep. Gosh, you guys have talked me out of my longest yard choice. <laughs> oh. I, I'm going to go smoky for all the reasons you guys did. I, I think about that film and I smile and, um, it just, like you guys said, the charm is just, it's height of his powers. Yeah. So I've, re- I've changed re- my answer. Yeah. Remember at one point in Smoking the Bandit, it's so aware of what it is that Burt Reynolds yes. rides by the camera and looks at it and smiles right at you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It knows exactly Although, what it as, is. As a, a caveat to that, uh, personally, uh, in that, within that realm, I go Hooper over Smokey though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting, oh, interesting, interesting. Uh, interesting. Uh, that may come up in another, but I, my absolute favorite is Hooper. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I love Hooper a lot too. I don't you know. I don't know. Years ago, on Chin Stroker, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked with the Chin Stroker versus Punter guys about Hooper a long time ago. Yeah, that that one's uh, that one's interesting. Uh, that, we never reviewed it on the show. We ought to do it at some point. That <laughs> there's a lot to talk about there. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a man. That that era of Bird is really the golden era for me. I mean, that's not maybe not as high quality as highest quality films, but when he was number one, when he was untouchable, that's the kind of stuff I really mm-hmm. liked. Unfortunately, that didn't last because eventually you get to the late mid eighties and you get Stroker Ace, which is yeah fun for its own reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which that's also we'll still a, a still a great title. I love uh, that's one of my favorite film titles of all time, Stroker Ace. <laughs> title. Uh, Gator, I think, and if you go back and listen to our episode, you could probably answer this, but maybe your answer's changed. Gator or White Lightning? Oh. Man, that, that, that one's tough. I can't even remember what I said about those films back then. Uh, again, I'm going to say that White Lightning is the better film. Uh, Gator's directed by Bird himself. Mm. And Bird, not quite the filmmaker I think he thought he was. He's not bad. But he's not uh, he's not great either. But I think I'm going to take the opposite approach this time. I think White Lightning holds up. I, I I think White Lightning is like when I think of again, it's a derogatory term, but I, I you know he kind of coined this himself. These kind of redneck romance things, you know, criminals. These kind of redneck Southern boys. White Lightning is it's got a nice dirty feel to it, nice sweaty feel to it. And I, I think I like that one more. But I do love that fight scene in Gator between him and Jerry Reed mm. at the uh, the boardwalk kind of area. And, and I think it's in New Orleans. No, New Orleans. I yeah, I think that's where it's at. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that. I, man, I like Gator a lot, though. Damn it. <laughs> I'm one of the people that will rep for Gator. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with White Lightning. Lightning. I know I'm, my southernness is coming out. White lightning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Gator. Um, I, I actually really, really like Bert as a director. Oh, I, okay. Okay. I, I think he's a very, very underrated director. Um, and I know Gator's probably a you know bigger, dumber white lightning, but... Um, I have a lot of fun with that. Um, 
I'm gonna go Gator. Yeah. Nice, nice. Hey, I'm I'm good with that. I don't think there's any um, wrong answers, certainly, especially when we're talking about Bert. But I am going to go White Lightning just because <clears throat> as much as I do love Gator, I think, yeah, Lightning's a little leaner and meaner. And I think Joseph Sargent's a really good filmmaker that a lot of people don't talk about either. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, at least a handful of really good films in his uh, his filmography, Taking of Pelham 123, mm. Forbin Project, this, um, just to name a few. Night. Yeah, I, I kind of take I kind of take Jaws, back Jaws the Revenge. Yeah, the Revenge. That's right, Jaws yeah. the Revenge. That's right. Uh, de- definitely a workman director. Uh, maybe I'll take back a little bit of what I said. I'm looking at Birch's directorial credits, and there's a four film run there that's pretty solid, man. Mm-hmm. Gator, The End, Sharky's Machine, and Stick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which The End I like quite a bit. A lot of people didn't like that one, but I I, I mm-hmm. like that one. I like that too. I think this next one might be the easiest one for everyone. Especially him, you guys have said, but I'll put it out anyway. Hooper or Stroker Ace? <laughs> Hooper. Yeah, yeah, Hooper. Yeah. Uh, there's parts of me that, you know, love uh, Stroker Ace for the ridiculousness of it and some of the yeah. dialogue. I mean, I definitely love. Evil Staple, man. Yeah, Fastest Chicken in the South is definitely one of my favorite uh, advertising lines ever created. Um, yeah. And Ned Beatty's a lot of fun in that film. Um, yeah. Speaking of guys that Bert worked with a lot. Yeah, yeah. He loved Ed mm. Beatty. He loved mm. him. Bert, uh, you know, he always surrounded himself with guys that, you know, he loved. And uh, I think, you know, there's obvious reasons. If you watch some of the old films where he was running through the bloopers and stuff, like, you know, him and Dom DeLuise, they had a friendship that, I, I don't know, he did bordered on, uh, well, it didn't border on. I mean, it was pure love. You yeah. could tell that yeah. those two just loved each other. And he made him laugh and they made the other one laugh. And, you know, it's, that kind of friendship only comes along once in a lifetime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So he would surround himself with folks, but yeah, I'm gonna go Hooperman. Hooper's uh, again, Bert at the height of his powers in a lot of ways. Uh, right around the Smokey and the Bandit time. Um, Stroke races again, fun for what it is, but uh, not 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 a hot not a <laughs> not a high water mark. <laughs> no, no, no. Some would argue that, uh, and we'll talk about this when we view your film. I mean, you can kind of tell when the. <coughs> The uh, sheen is kind of uh, coming off of the uh, the silverware there. You can kind of tell. Yes. What did you, you guys think? For one, actually, oh. never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a phone call coming from my doctor's office. Uh, this next two is uh, a bromance and then romance question. So, better Bert sidekick, Chris Christopherson or Jerry Reed? Oh. Okay, so <laughs> let me let me just get this out of the way because I can be easy and quick about this. I love Jerry Reed. So I'm going to go Jerry Reed on this very easily. And I just think him and, you know, the snowman and the bandit, it's one of the great buddy relationships on in cinema, in my opinion. I love that relationship. It's It's a very real relationship, too. Like, there's times when the snowman's on the radio and he's like, he doesn't even understand what the bandit's doing, uh, which is kind of like what friends are. But you can tell that the bandit's the leader and Snowman's kind of the follower, but he kind of goes along with it because he loves him. And uh, he always seems to be okay and right. But I, I love those two together. So I'm going to go Jerry Reed. And, and I'm, I'm going uh, to say for the record, too, Jerry Reed musically, I'm much more interested in than I am Chris Christopherson. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at you, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that kind of country funk stuff he did, I love a lot. Oh, he's got some... <laughs> Sure. I'd have to say Jerry Reed as well. If you're talking about a sidekick rather than a partner, I mean, or either one, 
Christopherson yeah. and, and Reynolds is, I mean, that's an amazing pairing, but they're mm-hmm. both you know, in different styles, but powerhouse, very charismatic. But, but Jerry Reed is a better sidekick. He's a better foil to Bert. Um, that's a really hard one. Um, I, I'll go Jerry Reed just because I, I love semi tough, uh, but I go Jerry Reed because of the, the smoky films. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and and the others and, and all the others that he's in. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. Gator. Yeah. He's uh, good playing the bad guy. He's really great as the bad guy in Gator action. Yeah. He's a great, he's a great counterpart to Bert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Uh, and he's believable, which, you know, to keep up with Bert is testament to his diversity as an actor, which I don't think he gets enough credit for. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to yeah. take the other approach. I, I love, I love both. But I'm going to take Chris Christopherson. Um, I wish they had to work together more. I love Chris Christopherson as an actor. Um, the thing I like about it is, you know, Bert was so charming and handsome and, you know, just effortless on screen. And I feel like Christopherson is a guy that kind of runs with him a little bit on that front, like mm. the even footing, you know. Um, Christopherson always has that um, kind of easy charm. You know, he's he's let our he's been on our show before, Convoy, right? So I mean uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, one of my favorite Westerns. Um he's I, I just I think to see guy a guy that's on Bert's level, um for me is uh you know, it's cool. Cisco Pike's another great one. I mean you go on and on about Chris, but I'm gonna go Chris on this one. Okay. Uh, uh, it makes me, you know, forever and always <clears throat> I remember the character names from uh, Semi-Tough, which, uh, you know, I, uh, forgive me, I'm going to go off the top of my head here, but I know Burt Reynolds plays a character named Billy Clyde Puckett. Yeah. And Till- uh, Christopher Stafferson, even better, plays a character named Shake Tiller. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> which is great. And then, of course, Roger Mosley's in that film. He of Magnum P.I. fame. And I'm yeah. about 100% positive his character name in that film is Puddin'. Oh, I didn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pudding with no G, just pudding. Like lightning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, shaky pudding. I think I know which way you guys might go on this one. Romantic lead. You, go, you know where this is going. Sally Field or Lauren Hutton? Because he worked with Hutton a few times. Yeah, he did. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, that's, it's a, there's a clear, clear winner there for me with Sally Field. Uh, their, their chemistry is just undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like him and Hutton together a lot. I really do. And I see where Will's going there, and I do like Lauren Hutton quite a bit. Um, but yeah, the you can see. I believe they had a relationship, and I believe it's one that Bert mm-hmm. always hated himself for messing up. But you can see them, in my opinion, you can pretty much see them falling in love on Smokey and the Bandit, yeah, and maybe in uh, Hooper and all those th- those films they did together. I mean, they it just feels real. It felt real, yeah, and. Uh, and I, you know, I'll, I'll rep for Sally Field, man. She's super. She's a super talented actress. She's really good. And uh, she kind of got tied to the birth thing a little too closely and had to kind of dig herself out of that shadow. But man, she's she's a really good actress, pound for pound. She's a little lady, pound for pound. She's a powerhouse. <laughs> she is. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Sally Field as well. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the opposite way. Just you know, maybe just to be a little contrary, but. I really like Hutton opposite Bert because to me, it feels like opposites attract. Mm-hmm. You know, she's kind of refined, kind of classy, and you know, he's you know just kind of. They and they were in know. Gator together, and what else? What else? What are the, what was the other one? 
There was uh, what was the other one, man? I can't. Remember. I think she's in Malone. She's uh, in Malone. Yes. Yeah. And um, oh, the, uh, paternity. She's in paternity as well. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, man, I haven't. Paternity, I haven't so. seen paternity in a long time. Yeah. I don't know that I have seen paternity, but I just like that. Uh, you know, Bert's one of those guys, kind of a working class, charming Southern guy. Um, and I just like that opposite with, with Hutton. It's the same reason I love Bert um, and Catherine Deneuve together. Mm. Right. Um, and hustle because it just, they feel kind of like opposites attract like uh, MC scat cat and Paula Abdul. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the first relationship that came to mind when you said that. <laughs> yes. Um, Let's go lightning round on the food tip here. Okay. First one's going to be a this, that, or the other. Oh, boy. Turkey, ham, roast. Oh, uh, okay, okay. That, that was pretty quick. Davey was quick on that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, turkey. Straight away. Clearly, clearly, I got a hankering for the bird this morning. Um, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I know it's not, uh, politically savvy in this day and age but i am a red meat guy through and through uh, it may take some years off my life but i do not care um i love roast of those three i love roast the most so i'm gonna go roast uh i'm also gonna go turkey man i love turkey with cranberries and oh yeah. a mix of uh, dark and white meat man mm. mm-hmm yeah, delish. Yeah, I love. Uh, I could say the same thing about roast. Of the mix of uh, the, there's no real light meat there, but I, I love the, the the dark meat that's really bad for you, and then the not so dark meat that's bad for you. <laughs> the rind piece that's crispy is always delicious. Oh man, roast. gosh, mm. love it. <clears throat> um, stuffing or mashed potatoes? No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. Oh, hang, hang on. on. He's calling an audible. Yeah. He's calling an audible, guys. One off because I got a better one to pair with stuffing. I'm gonna put potatoes aside for a sec. Cocoa or warm apple cider? Ah, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I choked oh. because as somebody who's drinking some uh, coffee this morning with a little bit of cocoa flavoring, a little mocha, Ooh. little mocha flavor. I'm gonna go coke. I'm gonna go cocoa. I'm gonna go cocoa. Coco? Coco. <laughs> it, it's, I keep saying Coco, and it's weird to say that word. That's not a word I say every day. So I keep thinking, am I saying it right? Coco? Coco? Coco. Yeah. Coco's it's right. going loco. Coco, loco. Uh, I'm going to go warm apple cider, or uh, which I had for the first time in Austria, skiing in Austria, uh, which and I think they called it Glumoscht. They had Glühwein, which is mulled wine, or Glumoscht, and it was delicious. So yeah. You, you guys that listen to the podcast, you're getting a little peek behind Davey's uh, post-podcasting uh, yeah. career. He's a bit of a Bond villain, skiing in Austria, drinking hot apple cider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Air bike. laughs> Bring in the heat. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, this is a tough one. I love both. Like a proper cocoa is, yeah, man, it's so good. But I got to go with the cider, too. I, I just I love a warm apple cider. It's, mm. oh, man. I like, a, I like a nice... Uh, you know, we we drink a lot of hard cider down here. It's popular pretty yeah, much yes. everywhere now, but yeah, um, for a long time, apple cider and and alcohol was a very popular Southern drink, and it still it still is. I, I do can't like do it. The cider. I had a bad. Well, not not I'd... not the pre made stuff. I'm talking about the mixtures. Mm, got you, got you. The pre made stuff's uh, very sweet. <laughs> Happy city. Uh, <laughs> pumpkin pie, apple pie, or trifle. 
Uh, man, I'm American. Uh, I'm going apple pie all day. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be so patriotic, but man, apple oh, pies, no. apple pies, apple pie, buddy. Uh, I'll, I'll go with apple pie, but it's got to have custard. It's gotta Ooh, be some oh, custard man, even it. better, even better. You're not you're not hurting my feelings by saying that. That's not an American. <laughs> that's not an American tradition. We usually just throw a scoop of vanilla ice cream on it. But man, no custard. My yeah. grandmother loved custard, and I don't know where she. I don't know where she. Well, first of all, she was a lifelong diabetic. Let me get that out of the way. But I don't know where she found her love of custard. But she would plow me with custard growing up <laughs> on everything, man. On anything that was sweet, she'd throw custard on it, and I'd be like, mm-hmm. "Well, this ain't bad." It gives it that extra, first of all, it gives you an extra thousand calories, but it also gives you that extra kind of panache you need for uh, something sweet, that custard. Delicious. I just had oh. fro- I just had frozen custard last night, Davey. You're, you're, speaking to my, you're speaking to my weakness here, baby. <laughs> you're speaking, speaking your love language. Yeah, he's speaking my love language on the, sl- <laughs> on the, on the slopes of Austria. Uh, inspired by Davey's Austrian John, I had to look up what custard was called in Austria. Kreme <laughs> Schnitte. Oh, yeah. Hi. Nice. Yeah, there we go. Some strudel. Strudel. Yes. You can't go wrong with either, man. Ah, oh, good strudel. Good lord. With yeah. icing sugar on it. Uh, I'm gonna go pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie to me is the king of the pies. I just had. It's I all- just had pumpkin pie last week. Did you look at you? I had man. a slice. Yeah, I had a slice last week. I hadn't had any this year. Unfortunately for me, pumpkin pie is not a year-round pie. It's definitely a year-end pie. Yeah, yeah. Here in the states, uh, I could eat a year. Yeah, I could so eat here, a year. Like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a year. The fall, about. right? The falling uh, uh, winter, but pumpkin. It goes. Yeah, pumpkin trifle apple for me in that order. But I love pumpkin, man. Oh, favorite pie. Uh, here we go. We're gonna shift. We get two more parsnips or carrots. Hmm. Come on, man. Carrots. We're coming. We're coming out of custard and pie, and you go to parsnips and carrots. I have to like, finish with a good carby one after this. Yeah, if, if there's anything that is the inverse of the f- previous conversations, this one, let me tell you. Oh, uh, it might be roasted Brussels sprouts or broccoli, but <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> at least parsnips have a bit of a sweet nutty. I've come around on roasted uh, Brussels sprouts. I used to not like Brussels sprouts good. as a kid. So good. Yeah, but you know, mix them with uh, you know, you roast them on a grill or whatever, and mix them with some stuff. It's pretty good, pretty good, pretty good eating there. Out of custard, Sammy. Uh, well, you can. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, guys. I mean, you guys are laughing, but we could throw custard on any of that stuff, and it's going to make it better, right? <laughs> throw it on the flesh cuff, thereby. You could throw the custard on the flesh cuff. I promise you, you'll enjoy that flesh cuff a lot more. <laughs> that'll, that'll help with the chafing. Yeah. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Better clean that off after you're done, though. That could sour pretty pretty roughly. Um, I'm going to go carrots. I love carrots. You know that uh, I'm one of those weird people that will uh, buy carrots at the grocery, uh, will wash them, and actually just sit around and eat a carrot. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that That's what my comment would be. Uh, raw carrots, but roasted parsnip. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, pretty good, yeah. Pretty good. But raw, but raw carrots. So, I don't know. I... Um, so I, uh, I, don't, I don't know how you guys feel about this. Let me get this out of there. Uh, raw carrots or cooked carrots? Because I don't care for the steamed or cooked it. carrot. I don't care no, for it. Roasted. Yeah, I don't. I don't even like them roasted. I just think. I just think cooking a carrot takes all the flavor out of a carrot. Yeah, it's raw. For me, it's got to be raw and uh, virginal. Like virginal. Yeah, it hasn't. It hasn't been put in anything. You know what I'm saying? The. Uh, <laughs> but I do like a nice strong carrot. <laughs> 
A carrot for the flesh cuff. <laughs> a, car- a carrot for my flesh cuff going down the hills of in Austrian slopes. Good Lord. <laughs> like, look, there's that, there's that one guy from Kentucky. How do you know? Well, his flesh cuff is out, and he has a carrot hanging out of his mouth. In hand, yeah. <laughs> He's oozing custard everywhere as well. Yeah. yeah that, flesh cuff, it was like, that flesh cuff's not very impressive. Like, well, it's very cold. It's very cold out here. <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> Good dog. Uh, get down to the Louisville Summers if you want to see the flush cuff, man. Do I do love a I do love a, a my my daughter is offended by my eating of raw carrots. She just thinks that's just <laughs> disgusting. Well, so Davey, where did you settle then? Uh I'm going to go carrots. Raw raw carrots um I'm the same as Sammy. I could just sit and eat those all day, but I'd have a nice big pot of hummus. I was about nice, to say nice, hummus. Nice good, that's yeah, exactly yeah. What hummus. Raw carrots. I'll just sit and munch on that all day with a pot hummus. Oh man, I, I can now. Now, this gets into another conversation. You know, nowadays in the quote unquote civilized world of the party world, there's these baby carrot things that run around and all the stuff, and people are constantly Mm. dipping them in in, uh, vegetable dip, which is usually just ranch dip or something some sort in the states. Um, I can take a carrot, and if I have ranch dip. It's a deadly combination because now all of a sudden the, the the food's not healthy. I'm just sucking down uh, ranch dip. And, Liters of ranch. <laughs> yeah. So I don't keep ranch dip around because of that. Because I take my vegetables and just stick them in ranch dip, and you know. So anyway, it kind of goes back to that conversation. But the baby carrot is the I don't know what you call that, like the civilized carrot nowadays. So you see a lot of people with these baby carrots nowadays. But yeah. you got to get into hummus. I'm telling you, man. I'm old school. Change. I'm '70s pornography carrot. I'm not this, uh, <laughs> not this new age Hollywood carrot. Yeah. Not this new, new age Hollywood. digital porn carrot. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go carrots too. You know, I was going to go to get cute and say parsnips. Um, but I think the diversity of the carrot wins me out. So yeah, I'll go carrot final one, a carby glorious finish. Oh boy. Yorkshire pudding or stuffing. Ooh. You know what? I don't know. Uh, Sammy confession here. I don't know if I've ever had Yorkshire pudding. Oh, you got to man. You would love mm-hmm. it. I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking it up now to make sure. But you know, not exactly. Oh, you'd love it with gravy, man. Yorkshire pudding dish. It says dish. Let me look here. Let me look. Ah, uh, baked pudding made from batter of eggs, flour, milk, or water. Cool. He <laughs> sounds delish. Uh, you know, I've never had it, at least not in, I mean, I've had those mixtures together before, but not served as that can be served with onion gravy, man. It just, it just keeps getting better. You can have stew in a Yorkshire pudding bowl. It's next level too. Uh, Yeah. You, you, you take that pudding and you stuff that with, you you put your roast dinner in the pudding. Yeah. Drown it in gravy. You're ready to go. Um, Or custard. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh-huh. definitely custard. Definitely custard's going to be involved. Might be buying some custard today when we get off this podcast. The uh, uh, I shouldn't be eating custard at the age of fifty. The the uh, what was the other one again? Yorkshire pudding or stuffing? Oh well, I got to go stuffing because it's the one I've had. But I'm I will report back on Yorkshire pudding as soon as I can. You'll love it. It's it's funny how you go through life and there's some things you never had, right? And I've heard Yorkshire pudding. Like I've had some weird shit in my day, you know. I've had the, the the blood sausage and some other. I've had some strange shit, but mm. I've never had Yorkshire pudding. I've, I've ate octopus. I've ate all kinds Most. of weird shit, but mm. never have ate a Yorkshire pudding. I had to get on that. 
My apologies to the, my, the Yorkshire pudding folks out there. <laughs> but I'm going to go stuffing because I've never had the other, yeah. And I just had stuffing recently, too, because of Thanksgiving, right? So I love stuffing. Oh, man. I, just, I love stuffing. It loves me. And, uh, yeah, the belt loops just get further and further out if I eat too much stuffing. <laughs> so that's what I'll go I, with. Anybody, uh, did Davey say what he what he chose? Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, Yorkshire pudding, because uh, you, you can make a fantastic little uh, my daughter loves to do it when we have a we have a roast she'll take the yorkshire pudding and she'll make a little a little meal out of that yeah. by putting the bit of the meat putting the veggies in topping it up with a bit of gravy she'll make a little nice little dish out of that i can and, uh, totally see that i'm looking at pictures of your <laughs> people just come into my room right now and look and they'll be like what are you doing i'm like i'm hiding my uh, website I'm like don't look at me i'm looking at yorkshire pudding <laughs> pictures <laughs> You know, you want to know what it's like the savory dinner version of Sammy is like a French cooler. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in, it, it looks delicious. I'm in. Yeah. I, I love both. And I really don't think you can go wrong here. Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, Marilyn Monroe or Sophia Loren. I mean, there's no wrong answers, but I got to go Yorkshire pudding too. I just, oh man, but they're both so good. But yeah, I'm just going to say Yorkshire just to, to, Yeah get through it hey it's uh, there's nothing wrong with that i haven't had it I, I i trust your guys opinion definitely uh of course i know that you guys have had stuffing so you guys know what that's like but i've not as not as oh, somebody yeah. who's as a yorkshire pudding uh novice uh, a virgin so to speak i've not had it yet so i will report back as soon as i can please do may have to make my own though i don't know if it's quite relevant here <laughs> you know maybe <laughs> Go into the store, be like, "Yeah, I'm looking to make a nice Yorkshire pudding." People be like, "What the fuck? What's wrong yeah. with you, man? Down here we eat banana pudding. What the hell?" <laughs> all right. Is that is that all the this or that? Then it, that is all, man. That is it. That's a fat intro. I love it. Mm. Not only food wise, yeah. <laughs> we stuffed it out there. Okay, so we're gonna take a short break. We're gonna come back and discuss Heat from 1986. Some Burt time. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> yourself a merry little Christmas let your heart be light next year all our troubles will be out of sight have yourself a merry little Christmas make the yuletide gay next year all our troubles will be miles away We are back. So I had to go. Will brought that song up because I think it's in the film, but I had to go with that's my personal favorite version of that song. So it's a great version. Yeah. That's and I think it's kind of appropriate for old Las Vegas. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Good point. Good point. Yeah. But yeah, that's my personal favorite. I could have went with, well, I mean, as you can imagine, there's quite a few people who have sang that song over the years and uh, could have went with anybody. Thought about Judy Garland for a minute there. And then I thought, wait a minute, I really like Ella Fitzgerald's version better than Julie Judy's. So. Can't go wrong with Ella. No, and you can't go wrong with Judy in a lot of ways when it comes to singing either. I, I do enjoy some some Garland, um, and that's festive too, right? Garland. 
Uh, how about that? Um, Christmas is just dripping out of our pores on the GGTMC this week. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, Heat, 1986, uh, directed by one uh, uh, Dick Richards, also uh, a director credit in there, uh, uncredited maybe, Jerry Jameson. We'll talk maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. about that. Uh, written by William Goldman. That's kind of a surprise when I saw that pop up. Uh, starring Burt Reynolds, Karen Young, Peter McNichol, Howard Hessman as uh, <laughs> the great character named uh, Pinchus Zion. I don't know if it's Pinchus or Pincus or whatever. whatever. Uh, we get Neil Barry in here playing Danny DeMarco. What a conniving little twerp uh, Danny DeMarco is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's fun, though. Uh, you know, uh, he's game for the role. Yeah. Uh, Diana Scarward, which I just talked about. You guys may not know her, but she is the crying dealer. Joe Moscalo playing baby. Hey, baby. Uh, uh, Alfie Wise pops in for a minute. Uh, and then you even get some of Bert's other friends. Joe Klecko pops up. Uh, Peter Koch, uh, tough guy. Uh, if you don't know Peter Koch, you probably do know Peter Koch. He's been in a lot of films and a uh, muscular guy, very angular face. Um, but yeah, Danny DeMarco surrounds himself with some pretty heavy beef. Joe Klecko and and uh, Peter Koch. So we'll kind of get into that. Um, this is set in Vegas. Uh, Davey picked this one. Uh, this is not one we've covered. Uh, I always get these, all these, uh, the late cycle bird stuff with the single titles, like Heat, Stick, Fuzz, Seamus. Well, mm. Seamus is kind of early. But all this kind of stuff is, it kind of, some of it kind of blends, uh, especially because I haven't seen it. And forever, and this is one that I probably haven't seen since VHS. I remember VHS renting this one and Malone, and I remember people kind of beating them up a little bit. And I remember th- I wondering why. Again, not a critical mind at the time. I just thought it was a Burt movie. I thought people like Burt movies, like I like Burt movies. So, um, I don't I don't remember if this was a box office hit or not. But we'll kind of get into that. Um, this mm-hmm. is, as we said, late cycle, uh, Bert and a lot of his late cycle stuff kind of got pushed aside, I think, because he was a different kind of action star, um, than what was popular in the eighties. By the time the eighties were around, we got muscles everywhere mm. and big explosions and, and slick bodies and winter takes it all and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, uh, you know, Bert comes from that seventies era, tough guy films, and those guys kind of suffered in the eighties quite a bit. So. Uh, yeah, this thing was supposedly $17 million to make, and it only made two million, almost $3 million. So mm. this was a bomb, big bomb, it is a bomb. For, the, for the Burt. So, and, uh, you know, he had a few of those in a row, and he ended up on television. So yeah. let's uh, get into this. Who wants to lead on this one? Uh, it, it, I'll always defer to Davey first, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, well, yeah, sure. I can start by, I guess, saying why why I picked it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. As I said earlier, it was, it was looking for a, uh, something which had an element of Christmas and, you know, uh, a stealth Christmas movie. Um, and I have been on a bit of a Burt kick recently. Um, I, I'm a long, long time fan, huge, huge fan of Burt. I've, I've loved him since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only saw this, I think for the first time, maybe last year, it was one of those uh, blind spots, um, as you talked about his mid to late eighties when he his career really started to tail off. Um, but I, re- I'm re- I'm fascinated since probably Sharky's Machine, which which I adore. Um, 
as soon as he broke away from the the uh, lovable, rogue, boisterous, kind of happy-go-lucky thing and did more serious stuff, uh, for me, Sharky's Machine, Stick, uh, and this, now I've seen it, uh, are real uh, hidden gems, mm-hmm. I think, when mm-hmm. he does the more serious stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Almost neo uh, noirish type yeah, stuff, yeah. I guess you could, could call them neo-noirs. Um, and... I'd not heard a lot of people talk about this. I knew it was regarded as a bit of a bomb. Um, but when I found out that um, Robert Altman originally came on as director um, <laughs> and it's a William Goldman script, uh, I, I thought, well, this, this, there has to be something, something in here. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, dived in and knowing that you guys were big fans of Burt too. Um, I guess you, is he, is he a patron saint? Is he on that Mount yeah. Rushmore? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's easily. I mean, I mean, I've got him on top of my Christmas tree. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's easily uh, yeah. part of the reason why I love movies so much is Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I wanted to dive into. I'm not such a fan of Malone. There's some stuff in there which I think is okay. Um, but I think, I think this this could do with some more attention. Um, it's. It's it's very atypical. Um, it's for eighty six, as you said. It's it's there's no muscles. It's it's a very different pace of film. It's quite old fashioned, mm-hmm. and I think it's got quite a mean streak as well. It does. So, tonally, it's all over the place because you 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 do still <laughs> get some some kind of uh, more um, chirpy stuff with Peter McNichol, and it's kind of half. Hang out, Vegas hangout buddy movie, and then there's some really dark uh, sort of uh, mafia crime stuff. Yeah, and it's it's got a real mean streak. But again, and I've said it before, I like I enjoy uh, a bit of tonal whiplash. That I, I like being kept on my toes. Yeah, that's that. That's the thing. Rewatching it this time, I got to say, I was kind of blown away by just kind of how oh, and and I and this is going to sound derogatory, but I don't mean it to sound that way. Because we watch a lot of Hong Kong cinema, and that does the the same thing. It's kind of totally all over mm. the place. Whiplash, yeah. yeah. And this has kind of got that feeling in a way, not as not as kind of hyperkinetic as Hong Kong cinema can be. But this is, um, yeah, I mean, one minute it's a neo-noir. It opens very darkly, and you think it's going one way. But then you see little glimpses of comedy, of the Burke comedy that he loves to do. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of the Cary Grant type thing he loves to do so much. You see little glimpses of that, and then later on, and we'll talk about it more in further detail, at least on my side anyway, you get a training montage, which is full-on physical comedy. And then mm-hmm. and then yet, at some point, the movie gets gory and crazy, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell? What? <laughs> where, where did yeah. all this come from? And it just, and, and I, guys, I, I got to get this out of the way now because I'll forget to say it if I don't. Does this have potentially one of the sweatiest looking scenes of all time when Bert and Danny DeMarco are back at the at the hotel and the lights are out and they're talking to each other in the dark? Is this the sweatiest two men have ever been in a room together? <laughs> well, gliss- glistening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looks like they were doused with water right before they called action on the camera. It's not even... Uh, yeah. Like even spaghetti westerns, are like whoa, you went too far. <laughs> Alan Bates and Oliver Reed would like a word with you. 
Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was watching it and I remember seeing Bert and I was like, wow, he's, uh, yeah, he's lubed. He's not sweating. He's lubed. Like he's, he's ready for entry. He's just, uh, really, uh, yeah, really sweaty. And I was kind of like blown Prepare away by that. Prepare the flesh cough. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it is all over the map tonally. I mean, it really is. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, and I'll let Davey go back to it, it has some charms in that way. I mm. Let me just jump in and say this before Davey gets rolling again. I, I agree with everything you guys said. The interesting thing about this is it feels more 76 than 86. Yeah, yes, it does. It does, yes. Right? Like, it really does. I mean, some of the kind of make cute stuff with McNichol and that stuff feels more 80s, but by and large, it feels like a mid-70s neo-noir. Like when, for me, the American neo-noir was really at the height of of what it was going to be. Um, and obviously Goldman plays a big part of that with his script, but it's funny, like even from the opening moments, even though we find out it's, I mean, you know, it's probably fairly obvious to most people, but even early on, like we get a real mean streak from Bert, which when it's with people he likes, he softens up, but we always usually get very friendly, jovial, smiling Bert. And there's some, yeah, some darker moments here. Um, in, in the hotel stuff is is grim. The the sort of cuts with with the woman being dumped out of the vehicle right out of the gates in the film, and mm. it's, uh, but I like that. And I got to say, I'd never seen this one. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you never seen it the first time. What a joy this was to watch. Oh, nice. Okay, oh, that's good to know. It's good. It's always nice to pick something that is uh, new and fresh to you guys. So so yeah. Um, following on from what you said, the. Bert's introduction of his character, uh, Nick Escalente, also known as Mex, um, <laughs> yes. is, is, I think you're right, because I watched this uh, with my partner, with my girlfriend, and she is really interesting to get the female perspective on it. She's familiar with Bert. It's another reason why I picked it was she knows my love of Bert. She's familiar with Bert, but she knows the Smokey and the Bandit Cannibal Run, Bert. So to see his intro in this as a bit of a dick and a creep was really interesting, but she called it, she called it out instantly. She's like, Nope, don't buy it. He's faking. There's something going on straight away. And I guess she's right. Like I like it. Cause that's a very different way of introducing him and his character and is, is not, not typical of what Bert would normally do, but it's pretty, it is pretty obvious that there's something going on here. It's like, but Bert wouldn't do that. No, no, yeah. he wouldn't. surely not. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it, it's funny. And I got to say, too, like. We think of Bert as a good time actor. And I know this film bombed, but I, this is one of those. I'm glad you picked it because all these years later, there's a lot of nuance in his performance that I think is really good. And it's subtle at times. Yes. yes. It's a really good performance, despite the tonal shifts from him. He's excellent in the film. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so glad you said that, because that was something I was talking with my partner about. It's like, man. He is brilliant at less is more. So good. He when he when he really wants to and when he wants to dial it in, it seems like he's doing nothing, but he's doing everything. And that's there's the real skill there. And he's he's holding back. He's internalizing. Uh, he's doing some great stuff with his eyes. Uh, again, I think he's underrated as a director. And when he acts in quote marks. I think he's underrated too. And he's, I think he's brilliant in this. Well, he out, 
Queens McQueen in a way, right? Yeah. With the sort of subtlety of the nuance. Yeah, there. so... Ah, sorry, I've just remembered something. It was a follow-up to one of your this or that's on the previous show, the one before <laughs> you were calling out Bert or McQueen. Uh, my one this or that was Bert or Kurt, Reynolds <laughs> or Russell. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. So, with this one. so, so, yeah. So, we'll take a time out here because Davey and I, he forgot to mention his this or that in the V while we were doing this or that's, and then in, in true GGTMC fashion, I said we'll leave with that when we come into this, but we didn't. So, we'll get you know, we'll get 10, 15 minutes into the review, and then we'll talk about it. But let's let's talk about it. Let's let's talk hey, about listen, Bert or Kurt. We've cited so many times. I. I this is unfair, man. Yeah, this this is a tough one because both of these guys, in my opinion, they have the same kind of charisma. Like, the likable charisma. Yes. Ooh, yeah, to do us dirty, Davey. That's, that's a dirty one. It is a dirty one. The dirty, dirty Davey. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin because some of my favorite films have Bird in them and some of my favorite films have Kurt in them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think I just got to go with one and, and live with that decision. I won't. This is, a, this is Sophie's choice, is it not? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Really, it's the Sophie's it, choice it, of male uh, action leads, yes. I'm going to go Bert. I'm just, I'm just going to say it, and I mm-hmm. don't feel great, but I love Bert. I love, I love Kurt, too, man. You're doing me dirty, Davey. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Bert. I don't want to change. talk myself out of it. Okay. I'm going to – Sammy? Fuck. Um, <laughs> did, that, did, that, did that fuck get picked up by the microphone? I guess it did. Uh, <laughs> real true frustration over here. Uh, man, I man, I hate to be the guy that goes against the grain, but I'm going to go Kurt. I am st- not that. Listen, Kurt's amazing, but knowing how much you love Bert, that yeah. is a test. I just think of Kurt. I think Kurt is just. I've grown to love Kurt more and more. As it's the mustache versus the beard too. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. But I've just grown to love Kurt more and more, and uh, maybe it's the underdog, underappreciated part of me, or something. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Kurt. Man, it's not. It's, it's it's a real close one though. It's it's a beard hair or a mustache hair or <laughs> any other type of hair uh, removed from each other. Because um, yeah, man, this one's. I just I I don't know. There's something about Kurt that this is the only way I can. This is the only way I can justify this. And I kind of like Will just kind of ripping the bandaid off. But I'm gonna try to justify my pick. Kurt feels like the kind of guy you can walk up to, even if you barely know him, and get a hug. Bert always felt, I love him, but he always felt a little bit more standoffish to me than uh-huh. Kurt does. Kurt feels like a genuine, like, you know, if we're walking in Hollywood and we come across Bert and Goldie, or Kurt and Goldie, not Bert and Goldie, whoa. Whoa. Yeah, uh-huh. Kurt would be pissed. Uh, Kurt and Goldie, I feel like you could say something to Kurt and he'd be like, yeah, man, what's going on? Hey, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bert would be like, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you're gonna get from Kurt. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like I mean with Bert. Flip with the comments, Bert. <laughs> Who? Kurt? Bert? What? I just I don't know. There's there's a warmness to Kurt that I kind of like, even though he's played some cold characters. I really, I really like Kurt a lot. But man, it's a close one, and I hate to go against the grain there. But that's where I'm gonna go. I think I know where Davey's gonna go. Um, yeah, it's a really, 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 really tough one. Uh, I adore both of them and, um, 
oh, this is going to sound really shitty. I've, I've met Kurt Russell. He really is like that. Yeah, no, he, 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 that is him. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He just seems like that kind of guy. Like he's just happy that you enjoy what he does and he's just happy to be living life. He, I've just never seen him like, you know, in, in the doldrums, I guess. No, unfortunately with Bert, uh, I've seen some dark stuff there. So, but I am going to go Bert because, um, uh, I think because of his directing skills, okay. that edges it okay. for me. Okay. I love, I love both of them, both the performances, the the films, the movies. Uh, I don't know if Kurt's directed actually. I, I haven't looked it up. I don't know if he's ever directed well, they anything. Say, they yeah. say, oh, Tombstone, the Tombstone. Yeah, yeah. There's there's rumors that he had a lot to do with Tombstone. Oh well, there you go. That answers my question. But, yeah. uh. But edges it with his directing for me. Yeah, I can't. I can't deny either one of you. You're not wrong. Let's put it that way. And but I but I also feel like I'm not either. So we're good to go. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry to. No. 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 I'm glad you did. That's an all time like my heart is bruised. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's really tough. That's a tough one. It's like picking vanity or Apollonia. Oh man. <laughs> No, no, it's, it's, that's not this or that, guys. You don't have to stop. Let's move on with the Dur- – I'll bring it up another time. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh-huh. let's move on with the review of Heat. <laughs> and where, um, where, where were we? Oh, let me uh, – yeah. let me, let me, So you guys did mention uh, – flash cut back to where you guys stopped, I think. You guys did mention McQueen a little bit. And yes. this is yes. Bert kind of doing – so Bert was always kind of the inverse of McQueen in a lot of ways in the 70s especially. Bert was kind of more outgoing. He would kind of play the moody piece every now and then. Uh, you know, and kind of quiet and stuff, but not nobody really kind of did that like McQueen did. He kind of he kind of owned that action hero, and here Bert is playing the kind of for the most part the kind of quiet, kind of brooding character. But what I like about this Bert character too is he he showing he's showing weakness here. He's a gambling addict. He has a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a dream of being in Venice. Um, he has issues. Obviously, he has women issues. Um, uh, it's interesting to me. I don't think there's, there's never really any love interest in this film, right? Everything's kind of on the surface, kind of like he's kind of always been there for girls and ladies of Vegas, but Mm -hmm. never really, um, intertwined with those, those women, right? Like he's kind of like a father figure more than he's like a, uh, uh, a lover of any sort. And you get that with the dealer character. You get that with the uh, prostitute that's get beat up, which is kind of disturbing because he knew her as a child and then she's watched her grow mm. up. And now she's a prostitute. But again, that's a working profession in Vegas. So morals aside, you know, you can be your own judge on that. I mean, clearly I don't think Bert judges her for her job. He never really says anything negative about it. Not that I recall in the film, and even again, we joked around about it a little earlier, but there is a scene where a lady drives up in a convertible kind of Capri or a Mustang and says, hey, yeah, Merry Christmas, guys, or whatever, who wants a blowjob or something like that, and kind of blows Peter McNichol away. And Bert's like, hey, how's it going? And she's like, oh, is that you? And she puts her glasses on. Again, it's a little comedy beat and stuff, and he's like, it's a great town, ain't it? Uh, again, it's not looked upon judgmentally. It's kind of looked upon as this is that town, this is the lifestyle these people have chosen which I find that admirable personally because, you know, it's it's obviously frowned upon. Um, mm. But I, I like that, and uh, we'll kind of get to the other things with Bert in a minute. But 
I kind of like that he's this kind of stoic father figure character, even to the point where they even go out of the way to make him. There's a dance studio above the office he works in with Howard Hessman. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why Howard Hessman's in this film at all. Uh, other he than, should have been in it more. As good as McNichol is, I love him and Hessman together in that I, scene. Yeah, I did too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they only got the one scene, don't they? Dude, maybe I think so. I think so. And I don't know why. You know, maybe he was just hanging out with Bert one day or something. I don't know. But they, they, it's a really good scene together. And um, he's kind of you know talking to the little girls that are going up and kind of joking around with them stuff again. Not in a not in a gross way, but in just the way of. He sees the innocence in these kids, and he knows that you know you're only innocent for so long. Really, you know your childhood is your innocence, and once it's gone, it's gone. You you, you don't ever get it back. And uh, you can look upon that badly, or you can look upon that uh, you know in a positive vibe. And Bert's had life. His character Mex uh, Escalante is his last name. Is it Max Escalante or is it? It's it's Escalante, aka Mex. Because his character, I guess, is supposed to be of. Mexican American. Yeah. There's some there's some old old school jokes in here too, by the way. If, if oh man, it's ever <laughs> the Taco Bell joke. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty, pretty yeah. bad. That's pretty bad. I can remember that joke as a kid. The uh but I, I like that his character has this kind of arc in this film. And my favorite thing about this movie is Peter McNichol wants to be tougher. Like he's smart, but he's not tough. Bert is tough, but he never wanted to be tough. He's just good at it. He says that in this film. Mm. And I find I, I like that aspect of the story the most, that he's a tough guy and he's in a, a dark profession, but he doesn't do it because he wants to do it. He just does it because he's good at it. And yeah. that's so many of us in so many ways. I mean, I can tell you the job I do for a living. I never wanted to do that. <laughs> But it just so happens I'm good at it, and right. that that a lot of us fall into that. Uh, now, obviously, you know I'm not <laughs> I'm not running around again setting people up to look. I'm not maybe like a grifter or something like that. But so many people in the in their lives end up doing something they never expected to do, and uh, I kind of like the kind of weariness that his character has. Um, it's interesting, and of course he has a dream. He has a dream to get to Venice, and and that makes his character much more interesting. So I just kind of want to get that all out there. Cause that's, uh, that, that is what, when I watch this film, I can see all of that on Bert's face. It's like, he's been the biggest box office star in the world. He's been to the yeah. top and now he's on his way to the bottom because not to the bottom, but definitely toward the lower rung. Because at this point, 86, you got Cobra out there. You got raw deal. We're going into predator. Mm. Action movies have changed completely. Sure. And, and, uh, Max, his character, he's a Vietnam vet, and this is '86. As you said, you've got all that. You've got Stallone. You know, you've got Vietnam vets. You know, blowing the place up, mm-hmm. and he's he's ta- he's he's got a very different take on it. And he's he's you can see him carrying all that with it. He looks, he's tired, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and there's a lot of weight, and I think he shows that. Um, but he's as you said, he's got a code. He still has. Uh, morals. He wants. It's almost like the equalizer. He he oh, still yeah, yeah. fights for those that can't yeah. fight. And Peter McNichol, who he meets, especially, he's like, "I'm a weakling. I need to, I need to be stronger, yeah, uh, men- mentally and physically." And Bert's character, I think, genuinely cares for those that are 
in a in a tight spot. You know, he he actually he's got a heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds silly saying it, but no, uh, but it feels it's believable, and that's the funny thing about this performance, and that's why I think, and I'm going to say it. And, and I'll stand by this. I think he out and this is like you said, it, it it's considered as well documented, considered a uh, a flop. Um, I think he out McQueen's McQueen here with the nuance, yeah. with the dark because there's some really dark stuff. There's the yeah. economy that he brings, but there's also those moments to tie in with what Sammy said about people come up to him at the diner. Hey Nick, hey Nick, can you do this? Can you do that? And it's almost like Bert uh, like that's channeling his celebrity as far as like here we go. And he kind of gives him kind of a weary, knowing smile, or he's got to turn it on for a minute, and then he can turn it back off. And I just think that I don't want to overstate it, you know, but I just I really love the performance he puts in here and the dynamic with the characters because it is a, a fleshed out performance where there's some ugly, ugly stuff, and he's trying. And he even has that line where someone says, "I think Peter McNichol says you must like violence." He says, "Well, no, but I'm good at it," or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's just. There's something about him and his character that, you know, it's just something he can handle. And, you know, that that's just true in real life, too. There's some people that, you know, they can handle confrontation well. They can handle violence well. Yeah. They can handle the things that we try to avoid. And then those same people, they can't handle marriage. They can't handle being a father or a son. They can't handle mm-hmm. being a mother or a daughter. I mean, you know, it's it's crazy, but that's just the way the world works sometimes. Some people are at their, in their element when the stakes are super high and that seems to be what Bert's character is trying to that what he's trying to purvey here is that he's just a lifelong tough guy who's fallen into this and this is what he's good at and he just but he's weary he's he's tired he's done and that's a very noirish type of element right I mean you get these characters that are just tired and uh, mm. they want to move on but he knows how to do things I mean up to and including and I'm sure everybody's going to mention this because Man, the 80s were something else. But when Bert decides to dress up as a pimp, it's... it's Oh, man, that is an yeah. outfit. Hey, yeah. that's, that's the first. And, and I think, listen, our show has had a lot of firsts. <laughs> <laughs> that I think it's the first pimp ninja hybrid costume maybe in the history of cinema. Maybe. Got, yeah, I mean, he throws the medallion at one point. He throws the medallions. He's got like blades in his boots. I mean, who a ninja pimp hybrid? Oh my god! Credit yep. credit cards uh, as as weapons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my like, note. I think my note. Where's where's my note? My note says here, uh, we get uh, Reynolds in a credit card fight and throwing medallions. Bert Bert yeah. Fu. And I, even I, get like these slow mo kicks in a Vegas penthouse from him. Like, yeah. I'm here for all of this. Yeah, I, I I was pretty stunned by the credit card fight. I really that might be a first too. I don't know if there's ever. I feel like people have sharpened cards before in films, but I think this is the first time I've ever seen a, uh, you know, where there are primary weapons. But again, yeah. they 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 tell you that that Bert's uh, thing is is bladed. Blunt, he's it. he's edged weapons. Edge weapon. He's a no gun, no no firearms That's guy. Right. He's like, yeah. yeah, edge weapons all the way. Yeah, he's edge weapons all the way. So they they and, tell you that. And his mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psychological right. warfare as well, as we find out later. Yeah, yeah. Right, man. It's very. So cool. so the lead up to this this hotel penthouse. Um, I'm <laughs> going going back a bit. So the the two the two. I mean, it's not it's not a complicated plot, but you've got uh, a young prostitute sex worker that uh 
leads us into the main plot and then you've got the peter mcnichol these two people that depend upon bert and his skills i thought by the way karen young i think is fantastic in the film as holly the prostitute i think she's great she's not a damsel in distress um Mm -hmm. and and there's some really chilling stuff in there that she wants revenge on this um mafia kingpin's son uh played by who's that played by neil barry uh yes yeah the uh uh, danny demarco character yeah who is a absolute sniveling piece of shit oh yeah Um, that that, that, that's the best word i mean neil barry he's a he is definitely a sniveling shit he really is so much in this yeah he's really really good at playing this uh uh entitled yeah this scumbag he's really really good at it yeah he's he's complete scum and uh the Holly character is abused and physically by him and his goons, which leads to calling upon Bert to help out. And at the same time, Peter McNichol uh, is some kind of very rich entrepreneur wants Bert's help to, to, well, I think he hires him as a, I think they call it a chaperone. Chaperone is the term chaperone, yeah. that Escalante likes to use. Which is basically a, a bodyguard, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's actually quite a bit of comedic bits with that with Peter McNichol. He's like, "Ooh, I got the fever bad. I've I've won like eight hundred bucks," which is kind of funny because Bert's like, "I'm not going to chaperone this guy." He just kind of walks away. (laughs) That fever line is it is spoken, I think, in front of Johnny Fever, which I wonder (laughs) if that was intentional. (laughs) That's pretty good, Will. I didn't think of that. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah, I didn't. uh, That never even crossed my mind until just now. Uh, uh, I don't know why I'm getting such a kick out of that, but that is funny. He does say Easter fever. Egg. Yeah. So how Esmond Easter egg there by Pinchus Zion. <laughs> Who came up with these names? Cyrus Kinnick, Pinchus Zion. I guess William Goldman. Yeah. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> they sound like characters out of the Warriors or something. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, the, the mafia lawyer, Baby. Yeah. Baby. Now, Grown that, man called Baby. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Um. But going back to Bert, the lead up to the, the hotel run penthouse. So he's hired to help Holly get revenge on these uh, these bad dudes. And she she doesn't want the money. Um, she just <laughs> wants his balls, wants his, his nuts in her hand. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Which is, again, it's an ugly moment. It's, it's uh, grim. But yeah. 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 That's what he's nuts and nuts in my hand. And. <laughs> This all leads to uh, Bert confronting them as a pimp, dressing up as <laughs> I take it her pimp, and but one of one of the the greatest confrontations I've seen in a long, long time. It's a really, really good scene. It's very tense. Like there's yeah. some really great scenes that manufacture tension really well in this film. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing about this scene is he's he's tight. Ta- you know he he has a reputation. He has these skills. But he's tired, and he's he's a reluctant hero and helper. But there's again this mean streak, this violent, dark undercurrent. This is according to other characters. He's he's deadly. I think one person says he is the most lethal man alive, which elicits a bit of a chuckle at first. You're like, what this guy? <laughs> but yeah, when when you when you it pays off in this scene. Um, 
and there is there is a real palpable tension i think the music's really good in the scene something's building something's building you're just waiting for the explosion and and you get it (laughs) yeah 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 i think so i think you know they they so i think some folks might be thrown off by the fact this one takes a long time to get to what it promises to. It it literally just builds. Although you do yeah, have the, you do have the pimp scene, and you got a few other moments that are great in between. But the it takes a long time to build to the finale, and then when it gets to the finale, it really doesn't disappoint. Um, it's really weird though. I mean, the movie doesn't really establish itself. I guess it does kind of in the pimp scene, kind of establish itself as kind of violent, but it's almost kind of in a weird way, almost kind of hyper-violent toward the end uh, mm. where, you know, blood is falling out of mouse and uh, people are getting electrocuted and all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's just, I don't know. It, I guess it, it comes off of that training sequence and some of the other sequences that are so burnt. And it's, it's interesting to me how, it, and I, I would guess that by this point, you know, critics were a little harsher on this film because of the, uh, you know, the fact that it's kind of all over the place, whereas Burt's films are pretty much Burt films. But by the time he's doing and I'd heard these complaints about the films that he did in the 80s anyway, like Sharky's Machine and Stick and all these films. They, you know, he kind of had this kind of serious action hero, but he would mm. always kind of mix these Burt moments in with the seriousness. And uh, I think it's because he had gotten away from the, the kind of redneck uh, silliness that he was so good at. Um, and tried to do the more serious stuff. And I think critics just didn't like it and for whatever reason. But I got to say, we've revisited a couple of these things in Sharky's Machine, which, Will, I think you were on for Sharky's Machine, weren't you? Were, were you not? Then Didn't you do Sharky's Machine with us? I'm pretty sure you did. Is Will there? <laughs> um, That's, you know, 15 years on, you think I'd learn when I mute myself to check before I start talking. Uh, I was on that for that review. Yeah, yeah. I love Serious Bird, and and that's the thing. Like I, I just feel I look back at some of the the reviews when this film came out, and people really savage it. And and yes, it's totally all over the place. The Goldman script's weird in the way it kind of crescendos, and then it kind of goes on its another little side path, and kind of comes back to the fallout from the um, the penthouse. But Bert's like incredible in this. He's great in Hustle. He's great in Sharky. I think as time goes on, and we should say this is on Tubi. Yes, um, yes, it is. a ton of bird on Tubi. Um, I feel like his films are going to get critically reassessed, and there is going to be an appreciation for what he did. Because, look, we all love film. We all love Bert. But I think we can recognize when something's a bit of a turd. And, and all three of us are pretty unanimous in our praise of his performance. And that, you know, sometimes expectations and reputations mar... Uh, a review with you know within sort of film review circles and it's it's too bad well i mean again it it goes back to that thing that i always say you know it you know if you walk out of a new film your reaction is very visceral very quick as to how you felt about it but give yourself and again i know this isn't the model but give yourself five years with that movie give yourself 10 years with that movie you might look at it completely differently. You might have walked into something, walked out, and been like, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And then 10 years later, you'd be like, wow, what did I see in that? Or mm-hmm. vice versa. You'll go in and see the worst film you think you've ever seen. And then 10 years later, you'll reevaluate it and be like, wait a minute, I missed that. So it's kind of the interesting thing about material like this, books and films and music and all that kind of stuff, is that time alters our feelings on that. And I think that, you know, the, the reviews of this were savage when it came out. Uh, 
But honestly, this isn't even close to the worst Burt movie I've seen. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. <laughs> no, no. I've seen much worse. Much worse than this one. And uh, he, uh, he, this is this is actually for his age and what he's doing at this time. This is kind of like the perfect vehicle for him. Yeah, this is what he should have been doing. I think he did the right stuff in the eighties, and I think it's kind of looked down upon now, but or back then. But I think it's kind of being reevaluated now as actually pretty solid material. The Sharky's Machines and. And, uh, you know, I, I agree. Malone's a little all over the map. I do like the shootout of Malone quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. Hustle. Hustle. Rep yeah. Hustle. Yeah, Hustle and, and some of the other stuff he did in that time, Stick, as we just talked about a little while ago. Mm. Yeah. These films, you know, yeah, they weren't, you know, they weren't Hooper. They weren't Smokey and the Bandit. They weren't The Longest Yard and, you know, the great 70s stuff. They weren't that. But they were they were fun. You know, and obviously there's Burt films mixed in there. I mean, you got uh, Cannonball Runs in there, right? That's an '81, and and the Cannonball Run twos later on '84 or whatever. Um, there's all films. There's films all all throughout there, and uh, but he's trying to do stuff. I remember for me the low point for Burt was right around '87. I remember that timeline, um, and Rent a Cop came out, and I remember thinking that's a terrible title. Now I've seen Rent a Cop. It's not actually that bad of a film. Um, no, with Liza. Yeah. Liza. Yeah. But it's still a terrible title. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he's actually really good in the film that came out after that called Switching Channels. And he did a film called Physical Evidence, which I think was better than most people remember it being. And then Breaking I, In is Breaking In's quite good as well. Breaking I've In's really it's good. Very good. Yeah, yeah, it's real good. Now he would go on to eventually be on TV and kind of reboot his career um in a lot of ways. But again, this is not nearly as bad as something like, and again, I know some folks kind of like it. I don't want to shit on it too much, but it's not copping a half low. <laughs> okay. It's not that yeah. low. It's, yeah. it's not down there. The only thing I ever really dismissed Bert about is I was really disappointed when Bert, after he kind of re evaluated and reclaimed his career with Boogie Nights, I was really very disappointed that he down talked Boogie Nights so much. Mm. That he, Which is a weird, yeah. Yeah, it was a weird move on his part. I don't, I don't understand that because you know that movie made him relevant again, and I just don't understand why he, you know, he he decided to take a, a, another road. And I just that that always bothered me toward the back end of his career. Now, it didn't didn't make me not a Burt fan, but it just made me like, dude, you know, appreciate what you got. And if you look at his career post Boogie Nights, it's pretty bumpy. Yeah, he didn't really capitalize on that. No, at all. No. no, he didn't. I think maybe in the beginning after Boogie Nights, he tried a little bit to kind of capitalize on it, but not really. Not really. I'm looking at the filmography post. <laughs> post, uh, yeah. Oof. It's, uh, I'm not really seeing anything in here. No. Mystery Alaska, maybe, where he plays Judge, uh, Judge Walter Burns and that. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty decent film, I guess. He pops up with Stallone and Driven, which is not the yeah, best Stallone film. Yeah, it's not the best, but it's not bad either. I've seen worse from both. Yeah. I, I You know, I liked his, you know, I, I liked Adam Sandler's remake of The Long Shard. I actually liked that film. And I liked him in that. But, yeah, I'm looking at his filmography post Boogie Nights, and it's a, man, it's a rough one. <laughs> it's a rough one, guys. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Anyway, 
Uh, neither here nor there. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. We do, we keep derailing here, but I don't know where Davey was even when we derailed this. I last can't time. remember either. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've completely. Oh, I was talking about the the the, the tonal shifts and. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, laconic, tired, um, lazy, but but can explode into violence at any moment. And the first time you see that being the penthouse uh, pimp pimp scene where he uses credit cards as weapons, yes. and then again. And then again later on at the ending, um, but I guess the the tonal whiplash, the unevenness of the film, which I like, when you consider the production of this movie, by all accounts, was a pretty turbulent production. Uh, two directors, well, one main credit, Dick Richards, Jerry Jameson, has also got a credit. Robert Altman started the movie, and according to William Goldman. He says there were six directors in total. Who yeah. the other three were, I don't know, but six directors. Yeah, That's wild. Most times that would result in something that's nearly unwatchable. Yeah. So when you consider that, the uneven of, unevenness of it is, is not surprising. And to end up with something of well, what we end up with uh, is... is um, Considering that it's pretty decent in, in in my eyes, my my main problem with it is uh, I've read some extracts from Goldman's script. He wanted to push the Christmas angle a lot more in a very sort of Shane Black way. Ah. Um, uh, there's I've found a really interesting article, and apparently he he put a disclaimer on the front of the script, which I'll read out now, and. Uh, he says a word about what follows. This movie takes place over a 30-hour period in Las Vegas just before Christmas, underlined. Those underlined words are crucial because whatever Vegas is, just before Christmas is the most desperate time. The whole place feels different. The town explodes on the 26th, but before, it's as empty as it ever gets. The holiday decorations, which I have not bothered to go into in the script, are pathetic, forlorn. It's dangerous, these pre-Christmas days, and that sense of foreboding should be felt constantly. This is not any city we have quite looked at before. I'm not a director, so I don't know if the town should look darker or starker or what. I just know this. We are not visiting Disneyland. Hmm. I like that. I really I wish, like that. I wish they'd played into that yeah. more. There is there is a, a hint of that, but I wish they'd... But I guess when you don't have a clear author or a you know, a, a strong and singular vision of, of a director, then, then you're not going to get that. Um, but elements of that do seep, seep through. It does feel like its own little bubble. We're in, you know, uh, like something, uh, Kim, my partner said is that there are no cops in this film. There's not, not even a siren in the background. Yeah. Zero yeah. police presence. <laughs> it's, it's his own little microcosm in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Cops in Vegas. I wonder what they deal with the most. Oh, uh, yeah. Drunken stupidity. Probably. Probably. More than likely, yes. That is interesting, yes. Uh, and the way it's shot, it, it's 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 very workmanlike in its well, shooting and blocking. So we didn't really talk about Dick Richards much. I usually talk about it in the intro, and I kind of forgot. But the Dick, Dick Richards, he directed a film we covered called Death Valley, which has mm. got Peter Billingsley. Well, ironically Peter Billingsley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was that was pretty good. Uh, but he is probably mostly well-known uh, for that late-cycle Robert Mitchum, Mitch, uh, Mitchum film, uh, Farewell, My Lovely, which is a really good kind of neo-noirish film. 
that people should check out. Now, he didn't direct a whole lot of stuff, so I don't know that if him and Burke didn't get along or whatever. What I do know about Jameson is he's known Burt his whole – he knew Burt his whole career. Right. And uh, I think Jameson would come in and help Burt whenever Burt would get himself in a pickle with a film or something like that. It seems I think like- he was brought in to finish it off because – as this article says, he and Dick Richards did not get along at all. Yeah. Apparently, he uh, he knocked him out. He punched out the director. Yeah. So there you go, there you go. That's uh, <laughs> that's some uh, that's some pretty serious disagreement when when, when mm-hmm. violence is involved. There's some cre- creative differences right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Very strong. But uh, yeah, Jameson. Uh, I, yeah, he goes all the way back to the Dan August days with uh, Burt Reynolds. Back the TV show that he did back in the uh, late '60s, early '70s. I can't remember when it was. Um, which I know Quentin Tarantino's a big fan of. But the um um I'd I'd say that, you know, Bert would bring people in like that. And Bert, you know, I, I just recently read a book about action stars and you know, action stars they know their brand maybe more than any other stars. And there's a reason why they I think have a hard time with directors, is because they know how to sell themselves and sometimes directors are and this is no offense to directors, but they're trying to tell a complete story. The actor is part of that story. Whereas with action stars, be this whether you like it or not, a lot of times they're like, "Well, you know, Sylvester Stallone would never do that. My guy, I, I would never do that in a film. That's not what I would do." Or Schwarzenegger would be like, "Well, that's not what I would do. You got to remember what I've done in previous films. That's what my audience wants to see me do." Now you can judge that if you want, but. These guys were successful because they knew what their audience wanted. And so sometimes action stars, Steve McQueen was the same way. Um, so many of them, Charles Bronson, so many of them were the same way. Uh, they knew what their audience wanted, maybe Bronson, maybe to a fault. I mean, you know, you hear the old joke about, you know, Alex Winter in that documentary saying watching Charles Bronson act was akin to watching somebody play golf <laughs> because he would just show up on a, on a golf cart. He'd, jump into the scene, fire his gun, get back on his golf cart, and go back to the trailer. He knew exactly what his audience wanted, and he didn't really care about all the socializing and everything else that went on in movies. Um, Action stars, for whatever reason, they can be difficult. And I don't think it's testosterone. I think it's just that they know what their audience wants, right? Well, that that yeah, they're they're an established brand. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's and what that brand is box office. Box office is money, cachet, credibility, success for them. So if they feel that something something is dampening or not showcasing their brand, yeah, you have to you know, you have to think they're gonna want to be very conscious of that, right? For better or worse. And I mean sometimes I'm sure it it veers into, well, you know, you can't really see the vision the director has. Um, because you're too focused on the brand, but you know, that's their instinct based on their yeah. bread and butter. I can't think of hardly any of the big eighties action stars who didn't have that reputation though. Um, Bruce Willis had it. Uh, Schwarzenegger had it. Stallone had it. Um, Burr Reynolds had it. I'm trying to think of some of the other big action stars of the eighties, but those are the four that come to mind. Chuck Norris had it. Mm-hmm. Chuck Norris had mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme eventually had it going into the early nineties. So these guys, you know, they, they were difficult. And the reason why they were difficult is they were selling themselves as much as they were selling the movie. So, you know, you got different action stars now. You got Keanu Reeves, who seems to kind of go with the flow with everything. And, you know, different stuff like that. But this was a time when these guys, this was their bread and butter. And, and uh, I think Bert was, 
you know, he, he wasn't savage as much as Stallone was. Stallone was really beat up behind the scenes. If you go back and read those articles and stuff, but because he was really hard on his directors. <laughs> For the record, Stallone's a good director, though. You know, yeah, I, I think he is anyway. So, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So I, I just think that's interesting, but I, I don't know if Stallone or Schwarzenegger ever punched a director. I think that's next level. That's uh, <laughs> that's next level disagreeing there. You know, <laughs> sounds like something yeah, Christian think, Bale would do, maybe even. Not. <laughs> although, but he admits in his um, his autobiography, he said he was, I think, the quote, a powder keg of anger at the time. Yeah, he he was he was going through a really really dark period, and he admits he was not not in the best uh, in the best state. Um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. He even calls himself. He he admits he was damaged goods, and, yeah. and he was very very angry. Yeah. yeah, that's what I remember from that era. My mom and dad watched him from Malone and and Heat and a couple others. Is this is post uh, City Heat where he hurt his jaw? That's right. And yeah. he was in a lot of pain. And uh, before he found pain medication, he was even more full of rage. But after he found pain medication, he was still full of rage. And of course, you know he wasn't number one anymore. That's something every. That's something every superstar has to contend with at some point. They have to contend with the fact that you're not going to be on top forever. You're just not. No. It doesn't happen. Uh, and again, it feeds into the performance here. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it, it gives the film some heft. It gives the film some depth that uh, they probably didn't see at the time. No, and which is why he was perfect for the movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, I, I don't know if Davey's done or not, if he's got more. I mean, we could probably talk about this stuff forever. <laughs> No, no, I just thought the, the, the troubled production was really interesting. Um, and then I just had a couple of notes about the, the, the – the, there's two, two other standouts for me is the, the moment in the film, I think it's about halfway through, where we know Bert's character has a gambling problem. We know he's got an addiction and we see it when he, he plays with the, the, uh, the dealer that actually ends up crying – uh, I thought it was a fantastic scene yeah, when you see it is. Um, what he's what he's dealing with here and just how much he's willing to throw it all away. Yeah, well, and knowing and knowing he wants out of this, he he wants to be in Venice. Mm-hmm. Really, he does not want to be here. He wants to be in Venice, and he has the opportunity. And spoiler alert, he blows it. And I think that little that scene there is fantastic. Yeah, yeah it is. The thing with that is. Um, it's like it's like his Groundhog Day, right? It just yeah. it's the same stuff all the time. But it, the character has this sort of like doomed kind of like this romantic fatalism to him, right? Where it's just it's inevitable, isn't it? Like, mm. and they kind of allude to that in the film. He's been there. He knows the people. He's seen the people grow up. He's seen them become call girls. He's seen them get chewed up and spit mm-hmm. out. Um, well, he's an he's an alcoholic. He, they don't really they don't really dive into that much either. But he's an alcoholic as well. Yeah, he's he says he's 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 had a headache since he arrived in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he's a um, hardcore alcoholic who drinks all the time and stuff. They don't really like I said they don't really go into that much, but no, clearly he's a victim of his own kind of psychology. Yeah, David, anything else on your end? Uh, no, just um, that sequence, and then um, how the ending. The, the the final fight, shall we say, the final confrontation, which starts in a in a I think it's a concrete factory, Worse which is, is which is very eighties, and then leads into the, the face off between him and um, Danny DeMarco, 
um, when we really that bubbling undercurrent of violence and the most lethal man alive really comes through and he does explode into violence and uh, to the to the extent of threatening to rip people's faces off and you I kind of believe that he could and he would um, yeah the moment when he talks an ear off you believe him yeah and he's <laughs> yeah. he's telling Peter Mc- after training Peter McNichol where you, you get a lot of the comic relief uh, he he tells him and he asked him how okay what would you do what was the first and he said i'll go for the ear it comes right off <laughs> yeah twist it right off yeah <laughs> yeah that's good but then he also sows the seed of okay how, how else would you confront someone and he hints at that and psychologically which pays off at the end as well i, I gotta i gotta tell you guys i gotta get this off my chest now the training sequence when peter McNichol hits him in the gut and he takes a minute and then he backhands him into the nose yeah. That that little sequence right there, I laugh so hard every single time I see that sequence. Like I re- I rewound the film and watched it like five times. I was laughing so hard at Bert's reaction to getting hit in the nose. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is comedic gold in a movie that doesn't really need to have comedy in it. It is what uh, one of the things Bert Reynolds I, I think personally was always underrated on was his comedic timing. It's it's amazing. Oh, yes. He is so good at it. <laughs> yeah, just give me time. It's always impeccable. Yeah. Always. Um, all right, what can we add? So this is 87 Vegas, very different than today. This was one of the things I found very fascinating was just to see the strip and to see Vegas, much like the film we talked about last week, Long Arm of the Law with 80s Hong Kong and the walled city of Kowloon, which simply does not exist anymore. This is a Vegas that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So I find it very fascinating to see, and I think it really lends itself to that more so than it would in a modern sense, what Goldman was trying to convey with this sort of desperation, right? It's, uh, you know, mm. Vegas. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, both a, maybe a dangerous time, but it also feels like a safe time in Vegas, weirdly. It's, I don't know, it's just something kind of quaint about Vegas in that era. Yeah, which, you know, the words aren't usually associated together, Vegas and quaint, but I agree that's, this is a quainter time for Vegas. I got to say, I got to call Bert out on this. Oh. Because to me, it was a very, really, you did him dirty, man. Like, how would you of all people do that? So there's this toupee gag. Oh, yeah. Bert, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a risky move on his part, yeah. Risky move on his part. Like, you know, Bert, come on, man. Yeah. Like, story up here, man. Like, you know, we know about you and the rug and, you know, we'd have to still mention it. Don't mention it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bert's nasty. We talked about. I love the score for the film. It's funny early on, you know, when it's kind of dark and intense and stuff. It almost feels like a Clint jam, like in terms mm. of directorial jam with the horns and everything, because Clint was a big jazz guy, right? Yeah, you got the sax and the horns, and it's kind of jazzy. Yeah. yeah. So I love that. Um, we get a lot of dad leathers in this. Oh yeah. Like not like leather daddies, but like like Midwest dads or dads wearing like leather jackets that are very dad like. Um, Hessman I like. There's not enough Hessman, but again, McNichol's great. So I guess you know the film would become bloated. But I would have been perfectly fine uh, with you know Hessman to be in it more. Um, Bert's eyes, like I said, just a great performance from him when he meets people. He turns it on, turns it off. Mm. It's always believable. The weariness is very palpable. I'll tell you what I love. I love that bit when he first meets McNichol in, in Hessman's, uh, in their office. 
And he says to, and it's such a, it almost feels like a, I don't know, like a Tarantino thing. There's bits in this. I, I feel like Tarantino would love this film, like the penthouse scene and the yeah. bit. And McNichols interviewing uh, him. And he says, I've been shit on, shot at, not a virgin, except in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that. Like, I love that little monologue. It's fun. It's, uh, it's good. And then he says, and I'm also a liar. Yeah. I'm also a liar. Because he yeah. talks about, I can recite the phone book and I can memorize the front page. And he's like, and I'm also a liar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lexington, Kentucky gets a nod in this, Sammy. I don't know if you picked up on that. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's out, man. Yeah. Shout out to KY nearby. Um, the blowjob scene's great. I love it. I had to put it on my story. I loved it so much. It's it's all <laughs> quaint and charming and lovely. It just, it's great. Um Tension's great in all the scenes it needs to be. Like I said, the penthouse scene, it's ugly, it's dark. I love dark Bert because I think Bert does dark really well. JMB, man, JMB, there's JMB in the penthouse. Is there? Uh, there is. There is, yeah. Wow, I didn't see it. Yeah, you can see it. Oh, man. You get that? Got to go back and look at that. I didn't see it. I always try to make a note of that. I didn't see it. Yeah, no, we we get it. I love Demarco gives us this line, which you know every like shit heel villain does when they feel it insulted. Do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. gives yeah. Us on us. Yeah, it's good. Uh, st- it's um, good stuff. I mean, he's he's exactly the kind of petulant, kind of childlike character that the Burke kind of needs to you know to kind of kind of exacerbate that weariness, right? Like he's full of energy, full of anger. I'm talking about the DeMarco character. Uh, you know, he's full of all these things that Bert doesn't have anymore. Like, he's tired. He's seen DeMarco's before. This isn't his first DeMarco. He's like, I'm so sick and tired of these guys, these guys that beat up on uh, call girls, these guys that think their shit don't stink. He's just tired of it. And you can kind of see that. And I think that's why they, they cast well by casting him uh, as that character because he really is the, you know, the exact opposite of what Bert's character is doing. Yeah. Precisely. You know, another thing I love about that scene at the penthouse is I feel like that scene is played so perfectly, not only from a tension perspective, but when Reynolds has to rein Young in. And, he, you know, he gives her a little rope. He says, this is your show. You do it. But then he gets the sense it's getting ugly and, she, and he doesn't want it to get that ugly for her. Hmm. So he kind of reins it in. I like that. Um I also like that the pit boss in the casino looks like Joe Spinell's father. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. In a big way. I think yeah. that's great. Bert finds uh, a way to insult him, tell him he needs to change his underwear. Yeah, that whole change your underwear line. That's great. <laughs> I laughed. I'm not going to lie, man. Yeah. I laughed yeah. at that's that good. line. Uh, the blackjack scene, like you said, you know which way it's going to go, but you just you kind of hope beyond hope. Um, I love the McNichol stuff. As I said, it strays a little too much there. It kind of. But it, you know, bounces out some light and some dark. Uh, the back end at the concrete factory, we get shot electrocutions, we get fire stunts, we get bricks falling on heads. And that, I don't want to say how it ends. I think we all know it's going to end a certain way. Actually, can I can I interrupt just before yeah. you get to that bit? The, the concrete factory, another something I never thought I'd see was um, death by... Uh, high kick to light bulb. He douses a guy 
in petrol or, or diesel and then does this giant high kick to to kick out the the light bulb and the sparks shower down and set him on fire i was like whoa yeah. <laughs> all right yeah. there's some pretty creative stuff in this that i hadn't really seen in films before man yeah yeah it's pretty good i was i was not expecting that yeah no not at all man not at all um but that end i gotta be honest like it's pretty shocking it I mean, is, not that, but the the conclusion for the Demarco, like the arc, mm. where that yes. is, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that was a pretty intense thing. I mean, it's the Goldman hitting on some of that dark noir corners, right? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, if they would have tussled, they would have just been slipping and sliding off of each other because they were both so sweaty. <laughs> it would have been, it would have been uh, Vernon Wells and John Matrix. It just would have been a one sided battle. Yeah, yeah, it was a sweaty. The, I mean, they were so sweaty. I I cannot emphasize enough the amount of sweat on these two guys in that scene. They shot it in a factory with no air conditioning. <laughs> Clearly. I wonder if that, like the way that scene ended, was almost like the indie I got diarrhea moment with Harrison Ford. It was like, just have this happen. This needs to fucking end. <laughs> yeah. I don't have time to shoot my hero monologue to this, Marco. Let's go. Um, we don't get the full on Burt laugh in this, which is rare. Yeah, we don't. No. It's interesting, too, that it's it's like most of the film, he has a, more of a, a kind of a longer mustache. Kind of goes down past the lip a little bit on each side, mm-hmm. and then toward the back end, kind of the epilogue, it's more of the trimmed up mustache. I don't know if that's a transition or if they went back and reshot that or what they did. Not sure. It's a good point. I didn't notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I noticed. There's there's a couple moments with his hair too that where his hair sticking up in the back. Well, I'm like Bert. Again, Bert back to that. Yeah, I'm like, dude, comb your hair. <laughs> you're you're you know you're a matinee idol, man. Uh, comb that hair. Or whatever hair you got left, comb it. <laughs> you know, I thought about this, and I wanted to save this for my last note. And this might be a shoehorn, and I might be thinking this because there's a Christmas setting, and this is our Christmas episode. But I have to say that this film, to me, feels like it's a wonderful life. If you think about it, he laments the fact that he can't escape, and he does right by everyone else. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he appreciates the relationships and happiness he has and where he is. Hmm. So I think it has, and that's a bit of a loosey-goosey reach, but I'm going to stick with it because it's the Christmas episode. It's the I, 80s moody Bert. It's a wonderful life. I'm, I think that that I think that is wonderful. And considering the fact that I'm about to go and watch It's a Wonderful Life after this, uh, what a double bill. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I I, I got to give you that. I I don't know the the film is again. I don't I, I don't have a whole lot more to add. I will say the tone is all over the place. Um, I don't know that the ep, I don't know if the epilogue was needed. I'm glad it's there, but I don't know that we needed it. But I guess in a way, kind of listening to Will's kind of talk about kind of bringing up the similarities between that and It's a Wonderful Life. I mean. That is not the film you will think of when you think of this film. But if you if you do sit around and think about it, you can put the pieces together. I would say that. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. And it does kind of drop some things, which I find are interesting throughout the film. I mean, again, the call girl thing, she does go away. And there is intent to drop that character. But it does feel like some other moments are just kind of dropped, too. Again, the Howard Hessman thing is just completely dropped. It, it mm-hmm. feels like a film that it obviously went through some some turmoil. It definitely yeah. feels like that. But in saying that, I still think the charm of Burt Reynolds and the story itself and the fact that it is kind of a 70s film kind of mixed with an 80s action kind of out, outro, 
I kind of like that. I, I, I like that he's a gambling addict. I like that he's an alcoholic. I, you know, not that I celebrate these things in real life, but I like that the character has something he's working against and trying to get somewhere to get away from things. And I also like that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do the bird thing. He doesn't bet a woman. He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't do all that stuff. He doesn't do the bird laugh, which is nice. No, there, there is no, there's no love story. There's no romantic uh, connection here. I guess the closest is him and Peter McNichol. That's the. Yeah. Yeah. The father son relationship there. Yeah. Uh, that's there, there, is, there is no, no real romantic uh, angle. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting touch because again, you know, he's. He's the same age as I am right now in this film, which I kind of joked around before we started recording and said that, you know, wow, that's a haggard 50 compared to, but again, people lived harder then. And, you know, there's no telling what he was up to. And, and, uh, you know, he, he had his, you know, his, his demons and his personal life as well. Bert did, but Hey, he's still, he's still running around high kicking in leather pants. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) There's something about guys in the seventies and eighties, they get to a certain age and they'd wear those one kind of pants you could wear those kind of they're almost like dress pants i can't think of what yes. the material is made of polyester i guess mm. and burt rocks those in this and i remember thinking yeah he's he's reached old man status that's old men old <laughs> men in the 80s they'd rock the polyester pants yeah. and uh the cowboy boots he's still rocking the cowboy boots by the way too yeah. oh yeah and which he always kind of rocked those in a way even up to including striptease that infamous cowboy boot uh vaseline scene oh yes yes and yes so um I really, you know, if this is somebody else, I don't know if this movie works that much. I think this is a Burt movie through and through. So I think, you know, that, that, that is the real benefit of this film. It's just a, it's a Burt movie. And, uh, if you like Burt, I think you'll like the film. Uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting one, probably a, a little bit. I mean, I really do rope this one stick and Malone kind of all together. Maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't. I probably need to rewatch Stick and Malone, but um, they do kind of all feel like a same part of the pie to kind of go back to our this or that. Um, they do kind of all feel like part of that, like he was trying to kind of move into different stuff and yeah. uh, then just went back, you know, to, and again, physical evidence is one that that's one I watched on VHS. And I remember thinking, you know, he looked different. That's him and Teresa Russell and Ned Beatty's in that one as well. And yeah. uh, that one's directed by Michael Crichton of all people. And that's right. And, uh, I thought, you know, he's accepting his age in in that film. He's letting his hair go gray and Mm. things like that. And I thought that he was going to make a transition, but he kind of didn't until the evening shade television show, which did quite well for him. And my parents love that show, man. They love that show. Good Lord. They watch it all the time. (laughs) I don't know. There's a hundred episodes of that show. And man, I bet they watched all 100 episodes 3000 times. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I, I mean, it is a fun show. If you go back and watch it, you know, he's having fun with that cast. That cast is a good cast, and some of his friends are in there. Ossie Davis, Charles Durning's in there, Hal Holbrook. It's a, yeah, it, Hal Holbrook. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't age incredibly well like all old sitcoms. Sitcoms are so much of shows of their moment, right? Oh, yeah. But um, it's a fun show, I have to say. It's a fun show. Um, I don't really have much more to add. I, I, I really enjoyed the film, though, on a rewatch. It was a nice, breezy 100 minutes. And, uh, again, it had that nice seventies feel on top of the, uh, the kind of grittiness of the eighties that we would get with those action set pieces and, you know, an empty warehouse or in this case, a concrete factory, but it was always something like that. Right. So, um, I enjoyed all that. I, I really did. Uh, there 
are a few moments that's pretty awesome where Bird is actually, you can see clearly doing his own stunts. There are a few moments where there's a guy with a bad fake mustache on, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's what you kind of watch these films for. But I did. I did. I, I really quite enjoyed this rewatch, I got to say. So let's get into Maker Breaks, MVTs, all that kind of good stuff. Davey, what do you got? Uh, my Maker Break is probably a toss up between the, uh, the pimp, pimpy penthouse scene. Or the <laughs> but, but winning and then losing a hundred grand. Um, Ooh, yeah, uh, it's two I, different sides of a coin, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, my instinct says that the but winning and losing a hundred grand is uh, is great. Great piece of acting. Uh, great performance. Uh, I, I was genuinely watching it, shouting at the TV like, "No, no, no, no! Don't do it!" And um, I'll go with that. Okay, and okay. my my MVT will probably be Goldman script. I think it's a great script. Oh, nice. Uh, which still shines through despite the different directors and the unevenness and the, and the troubled production and the tonal shifts. I think there's a fantastic script there, um, which in Bert's hands as your lead really, really shines through. Because um, it was remade with Statham, uh, I don't know, 2014, 2015. Corey Yun did the action. I can't remember who directed Simon uh, West. Simon West directed it. It's called Wildcard. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The same, using exact, using Golden Script. Wow. Uh, um, and well, now, I don't think it comes anywhere close to this. Well, I, I, I would imagine it doesn't, but now I have a reason to watch Wildcard. I had no reason to watch it before then. So, same. Yeah, same script. Interesting. Very so, interesting. Which which brings me back to to why this works with Bert and might not work with somebody else. So, so yeah, uh, Goldman script. Yeah, nice. And which uh, did you give a score? Oh, sorry, I'm going to give it a seven. Nice, nice. That's a good score. That's a good score for this film. Yeah, I'm I'm quite a fan of this. I, I Will, what think do you? It's a hidden gem. Yeah, yeah. Will, what do you think? But uh, uh, make a break scene at the penthouse. I love that scene. I think it's so tense. He walks in, you know, and it, there's just such a palpable tension and it's an ugly, ugly scene. I love that, that blackjack scene as well. I think there's a few really standout scenes in this, but that penthouse one for me is the one. MVT, I could absolutely go with Goldman's script, but I got to go with Bert. And I know that maybe seems easiest, but an easy thing to do, but Bert wasn't always doing this stuff. And this just really shows us that there's a dark undercurrent or a menace or a weariness. You know, he's acting here. And it's just, it's weird to me that this one was so panned. Again, I don't know if it's expectations or or what, but I, I love it. What a joy this was um, for me. What a pleasant surprise. Saturday afternoon, I'm got the TV to myself. I put it on. I watch it. I'm smiling. I'm reminded how deeply I love Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give this one a 7.5. I don't Ooh. think it's a perfect film. I think it goes down some alleys and gets a bit lost for a bit. But this is what I'm going to – this, like I said, I, I talked to you, Davey, behind the scenes and even uh, uh, Sammy at some point. This and Hustle are the two Burt Jams from the past couple of years that I've discovered that I, I just want to push on everyone because I think they're so great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go – man – there's so many sequences I like. I love that gambling sequence. It's really good. It's in the heart of the movie. Uh, I actually love the climax. I think it's fun. I love the pimp scene. It's amazing. It's very GGTMC. Oh, yeah. Easiest scene to mm. pick. 
easiest scene to pick. But I got to say, I really enjoy, and I'm going to go a totally different way with this. I really enjoy the scenes with him and Peter McNichol talking and the training. Yeah. And I really enjoy that stuff. It's really heartfelt. At first, I didn't like the Peter McNichol character in the film on a revisit. At first, I was like, oh, he's irritating. He's getting on my nerves. But I love that he sees the good in Bert and that Bert sees the innocence in him, which is something that Bert's character sees throughout the film, right? He mm. sees the innocence in people, even yeah. though he's dealing with ugly people. He sees the innocence in it. So I find that kind of interesting. And actually, I find it kind of interesting with the climax in a way that they decide to go the way they go instead of him being vindictive and settling the score. I won't give it away, but, you know, it's kind of, you know, the, the, the resolution kind of drops in his lap. Mm-hmm. Which again can be seen as, as as almost a moment of innocence in a weird way. Um, so I'm going to go with those sequences. And I, man, I really love that train sequence when he punches him in the nose. I mean, I can sit here and I could laugh about that for hours. I really could. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm such I, a, it is a great sequence, yeah. man. And let's, let's. I know we've all said it, but let's really give McNicholas flowers, man. Great, great turn, and their dynamic together is really it left a smile on my face the yeah. whole time. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, he's like, oh, you know, you hit me in the eye. And he's like, I didn't hit you in the eye. You hit yourself in the eye. He goes, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's just, just wonderful, great little moments of comedic timing. And, and just they're, they're really good together. And you wouldn't expect that. They are. They and, are. and that would have been Alfie Wise uh, five years previous or ten years previous. That would have been Alfie Wise in that role. Yeah. Uh, playing this kind of sniveling little goof, go- goober that uh, Bert would always kind of pick on but would also kind of find some kind of goodness in him. Um, I, I'm going to go MVT. I'm going to, I'm going to go Bert. I mean, this is his, this is his thing. I mean, I don't know if this movie's, I mean, clearly we, you just brought up the wild card film, which I have to see now. And I mean, I'm not going to make it an emergency, but if I come across it, I'll watch it now. I, I, I think it's very well written. I actually think some of it's well directed for what it is, but I don't know that this film works as good as it works without Bert. And I think that's what really works for me is he's this kind of shepherding kind of father figure here, a man who's good at violence, but doesn't want to be. And I kind of like that. Uh, and my score is the same as Davies. I'm gonna go straight seven. I could go 7.25 and be right in the middle, to be honest with you, even 7.5. I kind of agree with Will score there too, but I'm gonna stick to seven because the tone is, it's a little odd at times. There's moments when I'm watching and I'm like, you know, totally the WTF moments. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what is yeah. going on right now? <laughs> Where, yeah. How did we get here? You know? Uh, but um, I, I really enjoyed this rewatch. And it, it is. I think it's a hidden gem in this filmography. Seriously. it it's, uh, Folks need to go back and look at it. Now, if you're looking for a redneck winking at the camera, Bert, you're not going to get that. No. But if you're looking for stoic serious kind of neo-noir spurt a la Sharky's machine or something like that. I think, I think this is a good, I think this is a good pairing with Sharky's machine actually. Mm-hmm. Good double yeah. bill of Burt films right there. Oh yeah. All right. That is the big show. Um, uh, Davey, I don't know if there's anything I think I asked you in the beginning, obviously, and I know you work behind the scenes and stuff, but I don't know if you want to share any of your personal information. If anybody wants to follow you or any of that kind of stuff, I don't know if you want to do any of that or not. I don't know if I've ever asked you that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you are involved with, you want to share? Like, um, uh, I think you have, again, it's always, it's, it's tricky to talk about things. Um, it's been a really weird year with the strikes, the, the actor strikes and the writer strikes really had, a. Uh, quite an impact on the industry even over here even though those are hollywood 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Hollywood industrial action. It, most of the projects I work on and my colleagues is large studio pictures. It absolutely decimated the industry. And I've got friends that were, you know, close, really were close to losing houses and things like that. Um, I was very, very fortunate to, to keep working all the way through um, on some interesting projects because I guess that's that's why I'm lucky. I'm, I'm, I'm not camera crew. I'm not on set. Um, I guess you can't, you couldn't write anything, you couldn't shoot anything or act, but you could still draw stuff. So uh, I was kept busy, and I'm back working with Mr. Ritchie again. So that's been really, awesome. really nice to to work with Guy Ritchie again. So he's doing it on his new project. So um, yeah, I'm, I I feel blessed. Uh, there were some scary moments, but um, and I, I'm not really one for putting too much on social media. Uh, just kind of get on, do my thing, yeah. post the odd the, the the odd snippet here and there. But yeah. um, I'm not very good at it, to be honest. I, I, uh, I don't like it. I think the uh, staying on the uh, following you on Letterbox is not bad. Uh, you know, I think you get uh, yeah. some good stuff there. I, I probably watch. spend more time on there than I do my own my own stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was Barbie came out and just changed the whole landscape again. Yeah, was yeah. It was a huge smash. Um, well, I, you I know, know I have the benefit of knowing you, but I also have the benefit of IMDb. And so, if folks want to see what Davey's up to, just you can just look him up on there. But he's got some interesting sure. stuff in the in the uh, in the cooker, so to speak. I'll say that <laughs> some very interesting oh, yeah. stuff. The the, the the Roadhouse remake, which uh, yeah, which is I think now coming up that was uh, that was a lot of fun i only did a, a, a small amount of work on that helped doug lyman on on the the ending of the film but um yeah i'm interested to see how that turned hey out. look man jake gyllenhaal doug lyman roadhouse remake i'm in what do you think joel, Sil- you think, joel you think silver was producing joel silver had a hand in that although i think we just got fired off of it so. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. yeah i'm in i mean uh yeah nothing will ever touch the original as far as you know uh definitely us ggtmc folks are concerned but uh yeah. hey i i i think that's good pedigree doug lyman david david alcock and uh jake gyllenhaal g <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take it i'll take it i'm looking All for right. it i'm looking forward to it but yeah you guys can check out uh, davy's work on there if you would like and you'll see that you know he's worked on a lot of interesting things so that's great i'm glad you're uh back with uh, guy Ritchie again uh I think you know. I think he takes a beating in circles, and I don't think it's fair. I really don't. So that's that's no, what I'll he say. doesn't. And I, I told him. I said, um, for me, Wrath of Man and uh, Covenant, two of the best things he's done in a long time, in my opinion. Yeah, I need to check yeah. both of those out. I, I, I meant to watch Wrath of Man and get around to it, but I haven't seen the Covenant yet. I really want to see Covenant. I really want to see that one too. So yeah, no, I, I recommend both of those. And he's yeah, you know, he's kind of channeling a seventies thing in both of those movies. So. Check a moot. Check a moot. definitely will. Uh, okay, uh, us, we're just always here. We, we're here for you guys every week in any supporting way we can be. But also check out uh, Not A Bomb Podcast. The Watch Get Plus guys are on uh, hiatus right now, so they're taking an easy night of the living podcast. Uh, Mary with Clickers, Watch, uh, I already said Watch Skip, but uh, See Here. So you got Watch Skip, you got See Here uh, podcast. Uh, Raiders of the Podcast, which is Kevin. And over on the other side of the pond, over there on Davy's side, you got, uh, who else am I missing? Feminine Critique. I think they just put some stuff out. They always do some Christmas films. Uh, usually that uh, that Hallmark type of stuff, <laughs> which is, it's it's a it's a flex. That's what I'll say. Uh, uh, that stuff is, it, it's its own genre at this point, right? Those Christmas movies. Oh, man. That, that's its own genre. 
Um, it's like watching crackers hang out. Uh, and I don't mean that in the, well, I guess I do mean that in the racist way. Um, the, uh, <laughs> bunch of white, white people having white people problems in Christmas yeah. movies. <laughs> uh, uh, who am I missing? Will am I missing anybody? Uh, Mary, uh, chin Stroker versus punter. Ah, if what, I, if, so what's John Horgan's, uh, YouTube, um, uh, I think it's a now for something. Enough for something completely different, I think. I think it's not completely different because I think that's the Monty Python thing. I think it's something different. And now for something different, I think is what it's called. Speak here. Yeah. Uh, John, John's a great guy. A little bit different. Yeah, a little and bit different. Yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, John's a great guy. Check out his great. YouTube stuff. He's a, he's a great dude and uh, loves movies. And uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, he does a little stuff. He, you know, again, I'll say this. And John, I mean this in the best way possible. People are brave to do that stuff. I can't do the video stuff, or uh, do a solo thing. Man. Oh man, solo's tough. I've done some solo podcasts on, oh. the, on the Midnight Ride. Yeah, and it's hard, man. You feel like you're flailing at times, and you're like, "Help, I'm drowning. Let me get through this." <laughs> yeah, I can't do the solo stuff, and I certainly will not be doing the solo video stuff. So, bravo to you, sir, um, because that is way too much for me. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Um, all right. We hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas. Uh, Davey, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Will. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you all have a wonderful, uh, wonderful holiday. And remember it, uh, I'll say this for me as much as everybody. Um, you're loved. Just always remember that you're loved. Um, you are. I will say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com.